So, how about this next match? <laughs> Time stamp. Yeah. I don't have money for a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome back, everybody, to week three of four of the Other Ship Super Duper Crockett Cup Tournament. We're extremely happy to be here, even if some of the people are not happy with the results that came out. And as we speak, Drew Thez is hard at work tabulating the votes for the final round, which will be revealed next week. So with us tonight is Mr. Thez himself. Drew, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I feel like stretching somebody. <laughs> as always, as always, I'm glad he was a hero to little Dave Jordan sometimes time ago um we have our producer extraordinaire wonderful guy michael t.s eric aloha and hello because <laughs> you are our friends and last but certainly not least our special popular guest co-host all-around great guy your friend and mine mr jamie ward jamie how are you bud uh it's great to be back i'm only here because tim graff requested me <laughs> Oh, Tim. Shout out to Tim. Yes. I'm actually wearing the shirt that Tim made for the end of Breaking Kayfabe, as a matter of fact, while we're recording this. So, which by the time you hear this, they will have reached the end of their run. So, congrats to them. Yeah, big thanks to Barry and Jeff. Yes. Yes. Yeah, without them, you know, this isn't possible. That's true. I know we keep saying it, but it's 100%. I'm 100% correct. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I had to steal one in there. So, all right. Well, shall we get to it? Shall we let Mr. Thez take over the MC duties for his ideathon here? Right on, right on. Are we ready to get started here, guys? Yep. All right. So we are starting now into the third round, and we are looking at the very first matchup of the number one seed, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, butting heads with my favorite tag team of all time, one of the all-time greats, in my opinion, Doom, Ron Simmons, Butch Reed, the number 33 seed. And uh, this one, it started out, the votes were really close, neck and neck, and then toward the end, uh, the LOD, the Road Warriors, they pulled away and they got the victory here 15-9 to nine to move on. They had some good old bangers in old NWA, so... I really thought this would be a little bit closer. I, yeah, I really thought it'd be a lot closer than this. Yeah, me too. I know a lot of people don't really think that Starcade 89 was a great event. I kind of disagree. I thought the Ironman tournaments that they did there were neat and a different way to see some of these teams. And, you know, we got Doom and Road Warriors that night and we got Doom and the Steiners and Road Warriors and the Steiners. Even then, I think Doom was kind of overlooked that night. And, I mean, they got a, what, one or two runs with the belts? Yeah. But they were a team. Long, so. They should have stayed together longer and gotten a little bit better push, in my opinion, because I really enjoyed them. Yeah, so did I. And, and I liked them better with, I think I said this last week, I liked them better with Teddy than with Woman. Yes. Yeah. Did Doom break up right around the time that Watts took over? Was that around the time when he wanted to start pushing Simmons as a single? No, I think that was beforehand. I don't think Watts came until 90 and they broke up beginning in 91, I think. Yeah, they had, uh, was it Super Brawl where they had their Thunder Doom 
cage match. Yes. yes. Notable. Yep. I think that's the only time I ever saw Ron Simmons juice. Good point. So. But I would imagine in this match, Simmons is the guy that probably does the job in the end. Yeah, probably. He's the uh, the junior member in the ring. Yeah, and Butch had just found his groove back at this time. Unfortunately, this was the end of his groove because he really, after this, there's not much left of Butch. Yeah. yeah. Didn't he kind of stick around WCW there for a little while into like 92-ish? Am I correct about that? Because I warned him and Barbarian a team or him and Atlas or somebody a tag team or am I? Yeah, maybe Barbarian. There was like some weird pairings on some Clash of Champions around that time. I think you're right. I think it was the, when they brought the heel Tony Atlas back, which is in 91 sometime. According to Wikipedia, Butch Reed left the company for a short while to return in 1992, siding with the Barbarian and Cactus Jack. Reed okay. and Barbarian teamed up to defeat Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham at Clash of Champions 20, but he left WCW for good shortly afterwards. Who booked that shit? <laughs> and looking what? here, Doom was only what? a team for about a year and a half. Clash 20, let me see what the date was for that. I think that was like mid-92. Then you got the uh, Cowboy taking over. Clash 20, yeah, that's uh, Andre's last appearance on TBS, right? I was just about to say, I'm pretty sure that was Andre's last yeah, so Watts is in control then. Because Watts September but, September ninety two. Right, because Watts takes over in June of ninety two, I think, around there, because he pushes Simmons right to the title. Didn't he try to revive the Butch Reed junkyard dog feud for a minute? That I don't remember. I, around ninety two, I'm starting to drift away a little bit before I come back. Anywho, so yeah, the Road Warriors got the win there, fifteen to nine. Moving on. So then the next match here is the number sixteen seed of Wings, the team of Owen Hart, and he who shall not be named against the 17 seed the brothers of destruction under taker and kane and pretty one-sided here taker and kane 19 to 5 and they march on to face the warriors in the next round yeah this one's not even though well it's a 16 17 but i'm not surprised here in the least no yeah i mean plus, just I, plus we literally get the he who will not be named out of this tournament unfortunately right. he's teamed with owen and yeah. Owen, you know has to take the fall with him i was thinking of that i was like could there be more of a dichotomy of two people from the wrestling business a guy who's universally loved and praised and another guy who should have been the same but is now universally panned. Who was the same till the night after they found out what happened. Right, that's why I said like he should have been in that regard. But And it's kind of in a perverse way. At least yeah. in this tournament, it's only appropriate that the Undertaker and Kane take him out. There you go. You know he's the one that did the job here. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. A quick burial in this match, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. No, it's not going to be so easy for like, next round, though. I'd like to think they gave him the old free bird treatment like the birds did to DiBiase down in Georgia. A couple, three, four tombstones on the pavement yeah. and pin him. Yeah, but there's no way he could sell as well as DiBiase. Oh, no. Even for as great as he was. That particular amazing. one. What that an amazing angle. Because that's what we just covered on our podcast with Ray and I. And DiBiase was just tremendous during that angle. I love the story Ted tells, too, about being in the hospital and they had him, you know, they're like, man, everybody's calling. You need to give us a list of people who you will take calls and visits from because, like, literally everybody's calling and showing up. So he gave him a list of people and Jim Barnett wasn't one of the people on the list. So then finally somebody like got word to Ted like you need to put Jim on the fucking list. <laughs> so he's like so I got a call from Jim and he's like my boy why am I not 
not on your list. I'm paying for you to be in that hospital. <laughs> so, quick sidebar here. Is Ted DiBiase the greatest wrestler to never be world champion in a major company? Since 1980, uh, yes. Okay. I totally agree with Jamie's statement there. There's only one person who I would contend that with, and that'd be Scott Hall. Yeah. So, I'm curious, Jamie, who before 1980... See, I'm not knowledgeable enough to... Okay, I didn't know if that's why you had the... No, 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 no. I'm just not knowledgeable enough. I mean, I started watching in 78. I didn't see enough of the 60s or 70s to... My logic on it, too. But if I just, from like things I've heard and stuff, I would, a name that I've thought about and tried to find more about is a guy named Johnny Powers, who supposedly had like a a good start to his career in New York, working with Bruno and stuff, but eventually he he bought Cleveland or, I don't know, he worked with Pedro Martinez, I think. Right, and he he made himself the world champion. Right, but by all accounts, he was pretty decent in the ring and stuff, but he was just like super arrogant and was difficult to work with and deal with. But I've been trying to find some of his stuff and explore that. Yeah, some podcasts, and I forget which one it was, did a pretty good in detail uh, after he died about his career. And it, I can't think which podcast it was. I'll have to look for that. Probably an Arcadian Band card one. Might have been one of um, Brian Solomon's shows where they talked about him. Ah, could be. All right, so Taker and Kane bury the wings. They clip the wings. Oh, it was Cornette. That's where uh, they went over him pretty well on Cornette's show. I'll have to look for that and check that out. I've been, like I said, I've been curious to find out more about Johnny Powers. But moving on in the tournament now, with the Brothers of Destruction, Kane and Taker move on to face the Road Warriors in the next round, which leads to our next matchup of the number 57 seed, the U.S. Express, Wyndham and Rotunda, against the 25 seed of the Briscoe Brothers, Jack and Jerry. And this one, another one that was neck and neck for a while there. And then the Briscoe Brothers pulled it out 14 to 10. And this boat's probably right around where it would be. It would have been one damn good match, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Is this where Jack and Jerry would have finally pulled the heel turn on the U.S. Express? Absolutely. We would have had the handshake. It would have started out clean, and then they would have started getting very rough. And I could see Jack and Jerry having to do what they had to do, and especially Jack, probably with a nice uh, roll-up and a handful of trunks just to make sure the job gets done. On Rotunda. We had to say. be fairly close to getting this as an actual match at some point, right? Had Jack not decided to go home to Florida, it probably would have happened. I could have seen it happening if Jack and Jerry don't sell out the vents and everything stays kind of status quo with Rotundo and Wyndham being in Mid-Atlantic in 84 when all this goes down. I could see them probably migrating to Georgia and all those guys all meeting up in Georgia. Wasn't these stories supposedly that the Briscoes were actually supposed to be the ones to take the belts off of yes. uh, Adrian and Dick? Yes, that's what was supposed to happen, but the story is that they were in a Connecticut airport and it was a night in February, it started to snow, and Jack said, I don't need this shit, I'm going back to Florida. So they had, ended up turning around. They already had Rotunda and Wyndham teaming together. They just decided to give him a name and threw him with Albano and the rest is history. Yeah, they actually used Real American. Yes, they did. That's who it was originally written for, was those guys. So what I see here, according to Wikipedia, said that the U.S. Express started in WWF in October of 84. That sounds about right. That Jack was around until early 85 still. So I'm thinking if he didn't go home at that point, maybe middle of 85, we could have actually had this match. Very possible. They could have turned the Frisco's heel in 85. Yeah, that would have been interesting, I think. And then you don't have the Iron Sheik and Nikolai get together. Right. Yeah, that could have been the Briscoes at WrestleMania 1 Yes, in that spot as the heel team. I mean, Nikolai and the Sheik were already teaming because Slaughter was feuding with them and was using various partners. I know in Philly, he used the uh, Junkyard 
dog. Didn't he bring Kernoodle in with him for a while after that? That was when he first came back in 83 as a heel. Kernoodle came with him, but they Kernoodle never got much more than a mid-card push, and they never put the two of those guys together. Uh, you're thinking about in 84, they brought a guy who was in Southwest Championship Wrestling named Terry Daniels. They uh, brought private him Terry. Private Terry Daniels, yes. And he ran through the, like, the summer with Slaughter. And he was there past the time that Slaughter left, because they were running, by the end of 84, they are running three or four house shows every single night, and he had that humongous roster going on. The Briscoes take this 14 to 10. My vote went to Wyndham and Rotunda here. I wanted to see them move into the next round. I thought them versus FTR would have been incredible. I know. I went to Briscoes on this one. Yeah, the Briscoes got a lot of love in this tournament, man. They really did. I mean, their heel run in Mid-Atlantic is what a lot of people will remember, and it it was that good. That's why people uh, remember it. All right, and then uh, that moves us forward into the next matchup of the number 73 seed, the Fabulous Freebirds of PSAs and Jimmy Jam. Not Gorgeous J, but Jimmy Jam against the 24 seed of FTR, Dax Harwood, and my man Cash. And I was a little nervous, I'll be honest, at the beginning, the Freebirds like took off on this thing, and I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> but the FTR, they stormed back and they won this one 15 to 9. Yeah, who posted that picture of Michael Hayes jumping out of the airplane? That that's, Benji. That's great. Benji, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and mad props to Jamie for posting that picture with Michael Hayes, where Michael Hayes is definitely the second most handsomest man in that photo. Damn right. Good old Nice Avenue Jamie Ward. When we get around to that show where I tell some stories, like, I had one from that night, too. Even the mail has to be delivered on Bad Street, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have walked down That's the street. Wouldn't have scared me. No friend of mine is going to get a return to sender from my brother. <laughs> Terry Gordy. <laughs> Go back in time and think about that Bad Street USA video. That was actually very good. Oh, absolutely. It was oh, yeah. groundbreaking. I mean, Not, it was hit with the times. MTV was at its peak. Yeah, I don't know if it ever got an MTV run, but it, it should have. If they were in a WWF at the time, they definitely would have gotten on. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I just mean like the genre of the music video itself oh, yeah. was like at its zenith. And you had Jimmy Jam and Precious in it. Yeah, and then, I mean, they had Mickey Grant and the world-class production team doing it, too. Which is top-notch and that's when Vince yeah, Solo was going on there. That's what he strived to reach to. Yeah, that kind yeah. of catapulted just, Freebirds into a different level of a lot of other teams. Yeah, that Freebird Von Eric stuff was just off the charts. But it like was, all the I things mean, that had come to an end eventually. Yeah, I think they tarnished it a little bit there at the end. Well, like they somehow they managed to get that all the way into 88. Yeah. With the Iceman Parsons as the Blackbird. Who else was in the Freebirds? The Angel of Death was in the Freebirds at one point. Yeah, Buddy Jack was managing the Blackbirds. Yeah, I'm actually pretty sure Greg Good was a Freebird at one point. <laughs> he, he was the original Freebird. I was going to say, he was probably the original way, 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 way back. Rumor has it Greg had more hair than Michael Hayes at one point. <laughs> I'd love to see a photo of that. Did they have photo capability when Greg still had hair? Stone. I'm, I'm sure there's a cave in Arizona or New Mexico that probably has a picture of Greg on a wall. That was also in the uh, church pew that Nicolas Cage pulled out at the end of The Rock after they got done seeing who shot JFK. I mean, <laughs> do you see what Greg Good looks like with hair? They just totally cut that from the end of that scene, though. <laughs> 
the other great mystery of mankind. Shout out to our boy, Greg. Yeah, he'll never hear this because yeah. I don't think he'd ever listen to an episode of Breaking Kayfabe. Yeah, we he'll never hear about this. So we we're will. all safe. <laughs> and happily, I don't have to remove anyone from my Christmas card list here because FTR did advance past the Freebirds. So that's good news. Well, you were, you'd had to take me off because I voted for the Freebirds in this one. Well, that, that's three. Well, Jamie, I wouldn't expect <laughs> anything else. Well, Jamie, I mean, Christmas cards do get lost in the mail. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> although from what I hear coming up, Michael has graciously gone out and bought a bunch of fruitcakes to go in some of these Christmas cards in some of these upcoming rounds. <laughs> Some of those nice, thick-ass brick fruit cakes that he will be sending out to people this holiday season. They make great decorations. Yes. I still have some from when I first got married like 30 years ago. And it's probably still good. <laughs> it might be. I never tried it. <laughs> probably as good as it was then. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, my grandmother is so proud of her fruit cakes. I don't think I've ever had it because it's just so disgusting. Like, I don't get it. Here's an idea. Just throw in a pot of boiling water and throw it in there. <laughs> Maybe it'll make the house smell good. <laughs> I need to try the fruitcake Mountain Dew. That's how appalling fruitcake seems. To I mean, me. a homemade one, I think, would probably be fine. Oh, yeah, because it, yeah, it doesn't have all the preservatives in it that right, a store-bought yeah. one. The mass-produced ones are made to last until nuclear fallout or something. So <laughs> there's a reason why they're like a brick. You can use them as a doorstop. You can mix your foundation with a couple of them if you need to, whatever. They're multi-purpose. Well, Michael, why don't you use them to fix the sidewalk in front of your house then? Well, is that, that wouldn't quite work i don't think <laughs> i just like the awkward silence there uh i really had no idea where you were going so oh i thought you were looking for a reason to agree with them <laughs> no i was very confused well no, well, even no because you're out there you got to tamp them down make them fit into the cracks well i mean mike's always talking about the sidewalk in front of his house so I, oh, I just don't like people going past it and you know trying to start a conversation or something you you just don't like people let's I don't. let's just be real i don't and some of the voting in this tournament has just reinforced <laughs> that belief I would like to seal the cracks in the sidewalk with the blood of my enemies. Get a blowtorch out. Or what, what, do they, what, what do they call the things? Yeah, blowtorch. When they uh, patch roofs. <laughs> Take one of those suckers. Matter of fact, I could use it on my garage roof. I have a flat garage roof. I got a couple of little leaks in there. Maybe I should go up there with a fruit cake and <laughs> take the torch and let it melt into Help all the little glues yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And then mop up there with you. Mop it around. Yeah, mop it around a little bit so it gets in down and deep into all those nooks and crannies and crevices. Depending on how many fruit cakes you have, you might be able to just redo the entire roof. Now you're talking. You just put a whole idea to improve that. layer on there. I, I like that idea. Then when Google takes that overhead shot, it won't be a gray roof. It'll be all right. different colors. Yeah, it'll be beautiful. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> There'll be a thousand raccoons on your roof. Oh, <laughs> uh, they got to get up there, though. That's the problem. Well, they can, I have an ivy uh, grew up to one side of it. So I guess they could go up there. But hey, more power to them. If they, if they can get up there and get down, good for them. <laughs> oh, I can imagine with Mike with a blowtorch is all of a sudden Rick Dalton at the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> him to stand there and... Boosh. <laughs> uh, except all the people in the sidewalk are the Manson cult members. <laughs> when I think of Mike with a blowtorch, I'll, I'll send you a video of what <laughs> comes oh, to no. mind immediately later. It, it's Gregory Hines. I just can't think of the name of the movie, so I got to look it up. So I don't want to stutter over it for a while. It's hilarious. And <laughs> I can totally picture Mike doing this exact same thing. I'm intrigued. All right. Yeah. So the Briscoe brothers move on to face FTR, who move on after putting a whooping on. Jimmy Jam and Michael P.S. Hayes. Thank God. Which moves us on to what I suppose would be 
considered an upset to most, to at least 11 people anyway. But uh, <laughs> number four seed, the Miracle Violence Connection, Gordy and Doc, lose to the 29 seed of the Briscoe Brothers, Jay and Mark, 13 to 11. See, this one, this one's one of the more difficult ones for me because it truly could have gone either way and not had a problem. Right. I can picture a couple of different type of finishes for this match. One where, like, literally, Doc and Gordy attack before the bell and they completely knock out one of the brothers and they just go to town on the other brother to the point where they end up getting disqualified because they just will not listen and they throw the ref down one too many times. And then the matches, the Briscoes get a DQ and they move on. But then I can also see them doing kind of the old Rock and Roll Express comeback type match where they're fighting from underneath and fighting back and fighting back and fighting back. And then finally, hot tag, bing, bang, boom, something happens and one of them roll up Doc or Gordy. Yeah, it would have to be something like that. I mean, unless I would love to see Jay hit the Jay driller on either of the Miracle right. Violence Connection. would love to see them use their finish, but I don't know if it would make sense. Yeah, exactly. Like well, you could try it, but there's but one ending for this match, and that would be Bart Gunn comes down the ringside, <laughs> boxing gloves on, <laughs> nails Steve Williams from behind. He goes out like a light. Briscoes roll him in. They double drop kick Gordy off the apron, and we get the one, two, three. And somewhere Jim Ross falls again and gives himself another black eye. Oh God, that man's got a family. <laughs> Bart Gunn disgruntled because he got looked over for the smoking guns in favor of the New Age Outlaws. Disgruntled Bart Gunn. <laughs> And then he walks off arm in arm with the Briscoes. Yeah. And they go back to the chicken farm. <laughs> or the Briscoes then proceed to beat the piss out of him. So. That could very well have happened also. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine the Briscoes, because they like to bleed a lot, that's exactly what would be happening here. They'd be covered in blood, but you know what? You you wouldn't be able to keep them down because no one was ever really able to keep them down in a tag team match in Ring of Honor that I can remember, short of damn near killing them. Yeah, this would have been one hell of a match, especially if it was in Japan. Oh, oh yeah. God. But we, we, we do know that this match occurred in the United States, but if it had been in Japan, it would have been kind of like the Briscoes FTR match where everybody wants to say it. Yeah. It would have been reminiscent of the brutality of the dog collar match match without the dog collar. Yes. Yeah. Briscoes would take every bump in the book during this match. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But they would look great doing it, and it's not unbelievable that they would find a way to win, so I can't even be mad. I went with Miracle Violence, but I'm not mad about it. So. I, I, I believe Briscoe. the Briscoes because Doc and Gordy are one of those teams to me. I mean, they were the four seed. If they don't go out early, they're probably winning the tournament. And so going out here in the middle of the tournament, basically, the third round, feels like a good spot. If puts over a younger team, I guess you would say, and it would have just been a hell of a match and no shame in them losing to the Briscoes and bowing out at this point. Yeah, I believe I went Briscoes in this match basically because of your uh, NCAA tournament idea. They got to go out at some point. Yeah, yeah. sometimes uh, the match is, you know, an upset's an upset. Right. Sometimes the 1-2-3 kid beats Razor Ramon. That's right. This one would have been more of like a buzzer beater yeah. finish, I think, if we're comparing it to NCAA tournament, where it's not like the Briscoes would have ever run away with this match and completely dominated. It would have been tooth and nail till the very end, and they just come up just a little bit better. I'll give you maybe a decent comparison here. This might be John Cena beating Triple H for the belt. Okay. Come on, who, who really thought Cena was winning a match? I did not. I, I, don't think I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I'd say that's good. Yeah, 11 long faces on the voting circles out there over this one, I bet. Probably. But hey, it's just wrestling. Yeah, I can hear Matt Carson right now about this. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cursing lives rent-free in my head and has every day for 38 <laughs> fucking years. <laughs> 
Uh, Damn it. Which actually, will this episode drop on Sunday the 2nd of July? No, this one will be, will be the on, 9th. So just a few short days before your 39th birthday. No, 38. I'm counting it as 38 because oh, I probably right. I probably heard him in the womb. Because if it dropped on the 2nd, because <laughs> if it dropped on the 2nd, I'm totally a week behind with the way we record this. It would be Max's birthday on July right. 2nd. So I actually so. enjoy Max's vernacular. Right. He puts a smile on my face. Yes. Oh. Because he yes. says it was a straight face. When, I mean, it just comes out. And it's, Where do you think I get it from? Oh, you're not that bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I am slowly getting there. So I think every time I passed your dad during FanFest, you know, something vulgar came out of his mouth. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's a compliment, Mac. I know you're out there listening. Yeah, hey, you know, and, and he loves all three of you too. He met through it. He goes, you know, he goes, I understand why you like him so much after all that. I said, yep. <laughs> he goes, the legend is accurate. I said, you're damn right. <laughs> the legend of Billy Jean, man. Fair is fair. We be invincible. That's right. I am never singing Pat Benatar again. Um, anyways. Well, we be long, man. We be long. <laughs> a few heartbreakers <laughs> coming up. <laughs> God damn it, Drew, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just hit him with your best shot. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Jay and Mark moving on over Doc and Gordy. 13 to 11. Nail biter. Moves us forward into a battle of a, a couple of the ECW flagship teams. The 13 seed of Bubba Ray and Devon, the Dudley Boys, and the number 20 seed, the Eliminators, Saturn and Cronus. And the Dudleys take this 13 to 11 in another close one. And they'll be moving on to face Jay and Mark Briscoe in the next round. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I've voted against the Dudley boys since round one, and here they keep moving on. I voted against the Dudleys just because of Michael, so... <laughs> I believe Solidary. I voted for the Dudleys here. I think I said before, I was never a big Eliminator guy, so I'm not a big Dudley guy either, but they're the lesser of two evils in this one. I can't even recall who I voted for here, to be honest. I got It's in here in the book, but I don't feel like digging for it. The Dudleys were one of those teams I felt like could easily pick up momentum with voters the longer they hung around. If you watched ECW, you probably enjoyed them, either enjoyed rooting for them or hating them. And if you were a fan of the Attitude Era, they were front and center and a big part of every major tag team match in that era really and you know they even extended on into tna to an extent so they had a long run and a lot of longevity and so i thought the quicker they're out the better well, not yet they're we'll hanging see. around still yeah much to my chagrin <laughs> hey, I, well, tried. I, I don't think your chagrin's gonna last much longer because we just said they got the briscoes now in the next round yep that's a tough draw it's a tough draw but hopefully everybody uses common sense there well common right. sense isn't so common though jamie <laughs> that's true oh uh, we're, we're dealing with wrestling fans yes i understand that <laughs> we are one we are more than one <laughs> you know we the one we the one we the one, we the one. <laughs> so we'll push this on forward here and uh go to the next matchup here the outsiders the number five seed hall and nash and they went up against the number 28 seed of jay youngblood and ricky steamboat we had 24 voters for this round and we had to call in uh, the hired gun we had to get uh, why the fuck would you call him in on the kevin nash match 
No, we didn't call oh, him. No, no. He, I, he I, was I, was say, the, I hope you didn't call he, him then. He was already <laughs> We went into the cauldron of madness that was being stirred by the Macho King and Queen Sherry. And we did we dug down deep and we found a mind so knowledgeable that it could only be described as brilliance personified. So we had to get the tie breaking vote from Michael's daughter Ashlyn. I was just about to say, if you're okay, talking about well, great minds, I knew I was thinking we were leaning towards Ashland. Well, at least there's a qualified individual. So here's what happened. He's raised Drew, her properly. Drew messaged Absolutely. me and said, we need a tiebreaker. Would Amy or Ashland want to vote for this match? And I said, oh, I'm sure Ashland would. And I asked, we were watching something. I don't even know now. She was sitting right here in the living room. She said, absolutely. So I told her the match and she picked the outsiders. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash was the deciding vote. And as soon as the, the words left her mouth, my wife yells, are you kidding me? You voted against Ricky Steamboat? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it would have gone the other way if my wife would have been the, the final vote. Just because I knew we were sometimes using Zaha as a tiebreaker, that's why I said, wait, you used right. him as a tiebreaker in a Kevin right. Nash match? What the fuck is wrong with you people? In I'm theory, shocked. he's supposed to be that, but we all, with our struggle of getting voters True. and keeping voters, we uh, he just became a voter. <laughs> right. with, with defections and dereliction of duty and, and a number of other things here, he became integral into the operation instead of just, okay, we need a tiebreaker. Now we can hear your opinion. He but became an essential employee. And shout out to Ashlyn, at least wasn't pretty deadly. Yeah. <laughs> She was so excited to get to vote here, and Drew asked if she wanted to vote the rest of the way, and she has. So she oh, really enjoyed, she enjoyed the fact that she got to participate. So yeah, uh, and yep. we're on the subject of recruiting voters, I want to uh, pay credence to uh, some of the people who've helped us out as this tournament has progressed. Uh, Mon Pathes, <laughs> thank you, my mom and my dad, uh, my brother Jamie, thank you, um, my other brother, mother Eric Selinski, thank you, Ski, I appreciate you dude uh mark Beaudry has stepped up and helped us out thank you mark uh david white thank you yes geez who else do we got here uh andrew brown tracy moore we've got uh, a lot of people stepping up and giving us a hand here and very 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 much appreciative and ashlyn what about antonio was he an addition or was he an original vote antonio we picked up from this round on actually so yes absolutely the legend antonio i'm trying to find my page that has everybody's name written on it (laughs) Uh, you know, while Drew's yeah. looking for that, I've got to say, I'm surprised that this match was that close. Oh, I'm I not. Would... This one's dead even, which is the way it came out. We, I mean, we all know Steamboat's reputation, and, and Jay Youngblood was a very underrated worker, I think. And as yeah. a team, they were great. They were really great together. How long did their run last? Uh, off and on, about three years, because I think Steamboat retired for about eight to ten months in between their run. Okay. Right. When he they had two runs in Mid-Atlantic. Because I know by the end, Ricky was ready to be done. Yeah. And move on from Jay. So I guess maybe that's what was in my mind when I'm thinking of it like the, you know, not exactly the greatest ending to the tag team. And why I thought Hall and Nash would probably, I thought they would kind of cruise to a victory. So yeah, probably a razor's edge to Jay. Yep. Yeah. And this one, because Steamer's not going to do the job. And as a matter of fact, he'll probably throw both guys off balance for most of the match. Jay makes the hot tag only to make some kind of mistake. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen uh, the sequence with Hall and Steamboat in there together, though. Him selling those arm drags. Yep, because you know he'd have bumped his ass off. Yep, and Nash would have torn his quad trying to take at least one. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think he even attempted it. We give Kevin Nash a lot of shit, but he was decent, man. He yeah, was I mean, right at the beginning, yeah. but he had some matches that had a lot of redeemable qualities. The only time he wasn't good was when he was Oz. He, <laughs> yeah. he was pitiful as Oz. He was, yeah. yeah, he was green as new shit, too. In those pants he was wearing, there's green as some pants. <laughs> His... His heel asshole run from November of 95 till he left the WWF was one of my, yes. probably my favorite Kevin Nash run anywhere because he was so good in that role. Like he was just such a jerk and it was freaking amazing. Yeah, that was and, like his real personality coming out yeah. finally. Yeah, Vince I, brought him along perfectly. I liked him as Vinny Vegas. Me too. I was getting ready to say that. Thank you. I thought he was entertaining then. That's, That's when his personality guy. started coming out for the first yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, it was not exactly the same level of personality like Spiker talked about in that run at the end of his WWF tenure, but you got to see more of him. It was more a character that finally fit than Oz or Master Blaster Steel or anything he did before that. I mean, he was looking comfortable, I would say, in the character and in the ring at that point. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, it was like he didn't have to be the monster for a change, you know, with right. the girl face. He could just kind of yeah. go out and have your natural personality in the ring. It would probably relax your work. Right. Instead of having to do gur work with your gur face. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. yeah it does. Oh, yeah. It, it really does. I mean, I mean, look at Brock Lesnar. Right. I mean, I mean, perfect example. Like, and to me, Cowboy Brock was scarier than come out with Jimmy John's <laughs> tights angry all the time, Brock, because, you know, Brock is smiling one moment. Next thing you know, he is suplexing you to hell. Right. Brock and the coveralls. That's a little unsettling. Yeah. yeah. Him coming out smiling and dancing and everything like that. I'm like, oh, God. And just like that, that guy could disappear. Yep. Yeah. Too bad we never got Brock as a member of the Wyatt family. <laughs> Brock, Brock You've Wyatt. seen the pictures of him in like the apron where he's been butchering cattle and stuff, right? Yeah. He would have yeah. Rowan and Harper at that point. The well, time he was just a little off because that would have been perfect. Yeah, I mean, Bray brainwashes the beast incarnate to join the family. That could have been an amazing storyline. Well, what rumble was it that they all ganged up on Brock and eliminated him? It was like 2014 2015 something like that that they all ganged up on Brock and threw him out and I thought that was going to lead to something of course it didn't but so I mean it could have happened but I guess they were I forget what my mind's a little jumbled around that time frame but it was more important to bury Daniel Bryan in that at the time oh, don't get me started on that don't, don't get me started on that I'll get my blood pressure rising like, and like I really somebody talking if, about the elite if the public hadn't really backlash at that, that that's still maybe going on today for whatever reason they want to bury Daniel Bryan in a worse way because he got over when he wasn't supposed to like L.A. Knight and Zack yeah. Ryder they actually successfully Zach buried Zack Ryder I was a huge Ryder fan. I thought dude was unlimited. And now look at him. He's killed on the indie scene. Yeah. Like I mean, him doing the Matt Cardona thing is incredible. So actually he can write his own ticket if he wants to. Exactly. Kind of like how AJ did it. Everybody was like, why doesn't AJ go? Why does it? I mean, AJ was doing fine, doing his own thing, going to Japan, going to impact TNA, you know, ROH. He was all over the world going wherever he wanted. And then it got to a point where all the bigger names were out of the business now. And AJ wrote his own ticket to go to WWE. And he kind of slid in there too, like you had kind of heard a rumor about it, and then all of a sudden he shows up in the Royal Rumble and everybody loses their fucking mind. Right, and the craziest part was like, people in the know knew how good AJ was, but when you saw him work with WWE's top guys, you're like, this dude's fucking great. Right. He rose to the occasion and then some, I think. Especially yeah, like his, 
It's early. Exactly. He didn't, he didn't suffer coming in at all. No, no, he he was right there. AJ Styles is one of the guys I say like Daniel Bryan has never failed to deliver ever. No matter what he's done, where they've put him, he has always brought, and he makes it look so good too. And he's he's getting up there now. I mean, he's got to be God. AJ has got to be in his 40s now and he's still early 40s yeah because i mean god we're what 2023 and he was going pretty good in the early 2000s and wild side so aj is 46 wow he debuted in the 2016 Royal Rumble, which was the year that Braun Strowman, Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper eliminated Brock Lesnar. Okay, so <laughs> there we go. A little bit of symmetry there. There we go. So, I mean, there's another tangent we could go on. How they ruined the Wyatt family. Yep. Yeah. Yep. If, if they would have just be. left the Bray with that swamp attitude, mm-hmm. it, it would have gone much better than all this supernatural stuff. Yeah, I would have loved it if they, instead of this Uncle Howdy crap, they would have brought in... Uh, Uncle Waylon and bring Spivey back as Waylon yeah. Mercy. Yeah, because he wouldn't have to work. All he yeah, to do is talk. Do the, that creepy ass promo, and he's still probably like an imposing looking dude physically. And then he says, "Here he goes. Let me bring in another Uncle Spivey." And it turns out it's Gary Spivey. <laughs> <laughs> With Mr. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I need to be wonderful again. I need to be wonderful again. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Ridiculous. I don't know how the hell we got to that, but yeah, the outside of his This has concluded our Vandal Drummond top 10 moment of the week. <laughs> Where we went yeah, completely into beyond left field and into the parking lot outside the stadium. Going, going, gone. And on a side tangent, there's a cool dude, Randall. Yep. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I've never met him, but uh, we actually traded tapes back in the 80s once or twice. Nice. I, I mean, the time we had him on the show, God, this was three, four months ago, was just superb. I was just content to just sit back and let him talk, and he does it very well. But, you know, Vandal, if you're listening, somebody will want to get you back on. I'm sure there's millions of hours of entertainment lined up that you, you would have for us. So Yeah, you guys think I open stories. They don't compare to him at all. Number 12, Demolition, the Axe and the Smasher against number 44 seed Kevin and Carrie Von Eric. The demos doubled him up 16 to 8 to move on and face the Outsiders, Demolition. So something kind of hit me about this match this week and I was thinking about because Jidge and I were sitting here watching SummerSlam 90 because I've been watching old SummerSlams recently and there was a point in the Hart Foundation versus Demolition match and they even call it out on commentary they're like how stupid is Hebner where it starts off as Smash and Crush and Axe runs down jumps under the ring and then him and Smash switch out so Axe runs in and the ref doesn't even say anything doesn't even notice doesn't even care that all of a sudden they look entirely different like how does he not notice it's a different dude so I imagine Demolition doing that in this match, but then the Von Erics do it, and the ref is none the wiser for it using that logic. <laughs> Which version of the Von Erics are we going here? Are, are we going early world class, or are we going to go like around 88 world class? 87, 88. Um, I was thinking like uh, pre-world title, pre, pre-David death. Okay, because I have I'll a date, great, I'll I got a great ending cool, if we're going later <laughs> in the decade, which, yeah, would have, which would involve Smash accidentally pulling Kerry's leg off. And then smashing him over over the head with it. (laughs) But if we're going before, then he hasn't had the motorcycle accident yet. And instead, you you know, the the Bonners probably did a little bit too much coke before the match starts and trip over each other. I'm, I'm dead. 
My, my theory was Devon Eric Silver did it at the Pizza Inn buffet and got the shits <laughs> and had to roll one up and get out of there quick. Get back well, to the locker room. So the demos hit him quick with the old oh uh, God. demolition decapitation. And, oh, God. Well, well, you know what? If, like if, they had pizza, to, if they had Pizza Hut before and there were white tights, that could have been an ugly sight. A pizza Hut what Pizza Inn. Yeah, for Pizza I remember out, the, I remember the Pizza, pizza Hut commercials. It's either Pizza Pan. On, on. I thought it was Pizza Hut they advertised back in Anyway, no matter what kind of pizza they were eating, if it had sausage or something spicy on it with white plates, it could have got ugly. Well, come see X. Unless they, unless he, they had their mufflers in there. Yeah, if they had their mufflers in, things could have been okay. Here comes the X. Here comes the Smasher. Here comes Carrie, the motorcycle disaster. <laughs> oh, Carrie, oh. I'm the toilet. What do I do? Only thing we got is just claw hand. <laughs> <laughs> There ain't no plunger, Kev. So, however the match finished, I can guarantee you it was sponsored by the Idaho Potato Commission because they yeah. would have been throwing bombs in this match because, you know, Kevin especially had the reputation for throwing live rounds here and there and potatoing a guy. And Bill Eady and Barry Darso were not the type of guys that would take that without handing out receipts. Yep. So, it could have got real, real fast. Yeah, I could have turned into one hell of a shoot, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Barry and Bill seem like the nicest guys until you pissed them off back in the day. So, And I have to say, having met them at FanFest, I'm a big guy. I felt small when Bill and Barry stood up on either side of me to get my picture taken with them. Because I told them, I'm like, I don't think there's enough room behind your chairs for me to squeeze in behind. I'll just sit down here at the end of the table by Bill. And he said, no, no. I said, I need to get up and stretch my leg anyway. So they <laughs> both got up and stood on either side of me. I hadn't felt that small and I don't know how long. Yeah, they're so, big guys. I'm 6'2", and uh, at an indie show one time, I was talking to those guys, and we were standing up, and I was looking up at both of them. That's just like Max standing next to Jake Roberts. I mean, Max six foot, and he's like, dude, he goes, Jake is a fucking giant standing next to him. I, uh, yeah, yeah. It, see, now he knows what Zaha feels every day standing next to a normal-sized guy. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this big shot at Zaha. Yes. Well, like you said, he's never going to listen anyway, so I might as well fire away. I was actually thinking about Zaha today. When he goes to the wrestling matches, does he take that little... Um, remember as a kid, you go to the barber shop and they had that little seat that they put from arm to arm so the kid could sit higher? Do you think they... They use something like that when he'd go to the wrestling matches so he could he see probably, the ring. Yeah, his probably, McDonald's booster seat. Because he probably booster seat booster seat, four, five, six, seven phone books, you know, something yeah. like that so he could see the yeah. ring. Actually, <laughs> no, they they actually have like Batman booster seats you can attach to the table now. How much you want to bet he got Bryson one and then he had somebody make a custom made one for him so he could also have the Batman <laughs> seat set up at the table. And Shannon that's has to get him in and get him out every year. That's what he meant by he sat in the Batmobile. Actually, car it was just a batman booster seat <laughs> it's uh it's the bed frame for his twin bed <laughs> <laughs> the true he was the uh, stunt double and elf <laughs> 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 Jamie throwing bombs at him. I mean, he's fucking killing me here. He got him on the ropes. <laughs> Christ. He wouldn't be able to reach the ropes. He just walks underneath. <laughs> just remember, he started this. I'm, I'm going to finish it someday. 
the under the bottom rope battle royal. So yeah, the outsiders have moved on to face demolition now in the next round. Demos doubled up on the Von Eric brothers here. So we uh, move on now to which I voted for the team that lost on this match coming up here. And I really kind of had hoped in, in my personal bracket, they moved on at this point, but not to be here, but the number two seed, the British Bulldogs with a drubbing 17 to seven of the 31 seed Los Gringos Locos, Art Bar, Eddie Guerrero, wanted them to move on, but the Bulldogs were just too much. And I get it. The Bulldogs, they're one of my favorites of all time too. And uh, in a majority situation, the Bulldogs are going to roll here, but in my own personal bracket, I've got Los Gringos Locos moving on. <laughs> this would have been an interesting match to see how their styles would have mixed. I don't know if Dynamite would have tried to take any liberties here or not, but if Eddie and Art were doing their heel stick, this is your main event on a B show and you got to send the crowd home happy so the Bulldogs go over. That's kind of how I looked at it. Big move offense, the tandem offense. Like I said, in my mind, I hoped that Los Gringos Locos would win. <laughs> but I totally understand. The Bulldogs are just too much form, too much horsepower. Would this be a match where, obviously, if it was held here in America, you'd have somebody chant USA to get under the Gringos Locos skin? Absolutely. And be like, wait a second. I can, I can hear Bobby Heaton go, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> While they're wearing their red, white, and blue long pants. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And jackets. <laughs> What was the giveaway? We called the guy the American love machine. Somewhere <laughs> somewhere in the Midwest or the South is where it would happen. Where they, yes. would, they would get a chant of USA going for the Bulldogs against our <laughs> Completely unironically and no clue why it was so wrong. Yeah, I would always love that when like Duggan would be like at WrestleMania in Toronto. USA! <laughs> like, yeah. you're in Canada, bro. I don't think they give a shit. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, but I think, of course, Eddie would make it work with anybody because that's what Eddie always did. So I don't think he'd be, have to be the one you'd worry about unless you got seriously drugged up Eddie where he'd be a loose cannon. Right. Yeah, but, Art was a great worker, too, though. He would have done the right thing for the match, too. Yeah, yeah, but I... I to what Dynamite would have tried to do, I think. Exactly, exactly. And I think Art probably would have been the pissier of the two of them, from what I understand, if Dynamite had tried to pull what Dynamite does and how that would have worked out. Well, I'm sure before the match, he probably left, Dynamite probably left Art a president as gym bag. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Scissor me, Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> That's still, like, one of the greatest lines ever. <laughs> yeah, the British Bulldogs and Matilda. <laughs> Moving on over Los Gringos Locos, the crazy white boys. That moves forward now to the 15 seed, the Uso brothers, Jay and Jimmy, against the number 18 seed of the Midnight Express, beautiful Bobby and lover boy Dennis, and in the biggest drubbing of the round by far, the Midnight's roll 21 to 3 over the Usos. I thought it would be a little closer, but yeah, no. <laughs> in retrospect, I wish I would have voted for the Usos just to make it look a little bit better because this would have been a very competitive fun match all the way through so Definitely. the fact that it ended up so lopsided isn't representative of how it would have gone the influence of jim Cornette on the outside yeah not that he would probably have to get physically involved in this one but would you have solo out there would you have anybody out there to negate Cornette at this point i wouldn't because this is pure babyface usos okay against I mean, heel at nights that's what i, mean, I would if you don't have anybody in there maybe a little tamina action every yeah. oh, go yeah, on, I, go. 
when they first came in. Yeah, Tim, I mean, it was with them. I forgot that. And, and now that the Twin Towers are out of the tournament, does Bubba go back to being Bubba for Jimmy? <laughs> Could be. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, Bubba I'm wasn't sure. around at this time. And I'm actually sure if Tamina was on the other side of the ring, Cornette would be talking about it on his podcast all these years later. And she's about right. the same size as Baby Doll, too. <laughs> Imagine if Tamina punched him in the fucking head like Baby Doll did. She would have headbutted him. And that would have been terrible because despite, I don't agree with everything Cornette says, but I can tell you in person, he was one of the nicest wrestling related dudes I've ever met. So, yeah, of of course, I did know him a little bit, so I can back that up 100%. Hands down, just one of the nicest dudes you could have a conversation with. You know, yeah, some of his wrestling views may be incorrect and outdated, but, you know, you're not going to find a better mind or just a more polite he was very interested to talk to christine because i said she was kind of new to the wrestling fanness and he was very like into talking to her about it and i don't forget that so i you know if i can dig it up i have a videotape that we did outside the rivet one night where like i interviewed jim and he's ripping on baby doll (laughs) (laughs) did he talk about the junior moose department in that one he said everything (laughs) it was a no holds work because my dad uh, always got a kick out of when baby doll and Jim would go at it. I can understand that. So um, I, I got him to do that short interview. Matter of fact, my dad loved Jim. One Christmas day, he called my house to talk to me and I wasn't home and he ended up spending an hour talking to my dad on the phone on a Christmas that's, day. That's awesome. And my dad wow. talked about that up until the time he died. Uh, when he finally got to meet Jim, uh, we took some pictures and then uh, I mailed it to him. He sent them back. He autographed them. And uh, even when my dad was sort of uh, senile in a nursing home and really failing, he had that picture of, of him and Bobby and uh, Jim on his nightstand. That's incredible, man. They, I mean, they would have had some things in common even outside of wrestling because your dad was a photographer. Yes, very true. And they may have talked about that. Yeah. And that's very cool. Yeah. I mean, can't say enough about Corny. In the business, you know, what he did for the business. I mean, you can't lie. Dude's got some great stories. Yeah, it's a must listen to his podcast every week. The thing is, he's a very knowledgeable guy, like talking outside pro wrestling. Like, I love it. And I wish they would do it more often. Him just talking about like pop culture, like him talking about old comic books and movies and music. And like some of the knowledge he drops on that stuff is like incredible. So, yeah, a lot of stuff he he says. I mean, I understand it. Most of it's all shtick, especially I, I think it's shtick. When he mentions a lot of older stuff that is slightly before my time, but I understand it. I can just see how many newer people, probably guys like yourselves, some of the names he throws out there probably just fly right over your head. I wonder if you ever saw Guardians of the Galaxy, because at that point I had a Star-Lord, the Walkman, the phone case, and he happened to see it, and he goes, yeah, he goes, I remember I used to own one of those. I said, oh, it's from Guardians of the Galaxy. He goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, well, of course I knew what it was before that, but I was telling him about it, and he goes, I'm going to have to check that out. He goes, you sold me on that movie sir <laughs> yeah i don't know if he watched i know he knows about the current marvel product but i don't know if he actually watches it and damn you guys took me out of it i was gonna watch uh secret evasion tonight uh, or not secret it, evasion uh, what, what is it yeah secret invasion sorry yeah. secret evasion that was a good episode was it okay i still uh, need to six finish. of them so they should be good i still need to go back and rewatch uh captain marvel because i forgot to do that after last week's episode but they did give you a little bit of a refresher on the scrolls at the beginning of this episode okay 
which was nice. So I actually caught Captain Marvel uh, over the weekend. It was on one TNT FX, one of those. So I caught a little bit of it. It's one of the few that I've only seen one time. So I definitely need to go back and check it out. I mean, a lot of people ripped that one, but I liked it. Yeah, it I, was it was fine. I think the two best parts of the movie were DH 1994 Sam Jackson and Goose. But Goose is like an icon in our house. I think we have a T-shirt in float. We have the Funko Pop in the middle of one of our displays over here. The little Florkin with his old the little Florkin tails coming out of his mouth. I'll have to look because when that movie came out, Ashlyn gets a box every other month through Amazon called the Funko Marvel Collector's Core. And it comes with two, like, exclusive Funko Pops. A t-shirt and then there's usually, like, a metal jacket pin and maybe a sticker or a decal of some kind. It's like $30. So, I mean, your Funkos are 10 bucks a piece. Your shirt would cost you 20 or 25 So it's a good price for what you're getting. But I'm pretty sure that there were exclusive Funkos for that one. At that time, they didn't always have two Funko Pops in it. Sometimes they'd have different things. And that month, there was a Captain Marvel beer glass, like a pint glass. Oh, nice. In the box. So they moved away from that to where it's now just the two Funko Pops and a t-shirt and a couple little things. But it's a neat little thing. You know, if you're interested, you can find it on Amazon. It's in the subscription thing, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, Christine actually got mad at me for starting Secret Invasion without her. So I'm going to have to go back and rewatch all of episode one again and watch episode two. So we might do that. This weekend. Perfect. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll probably do a Friday or maybe Saturday pre- there. Yeah. I'm so. off tomorrow, so when, when I get up in the morning, it's the first thing I'm going to watch before we get to the yard work. There you yeah. go. But Definitely. back to wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel, Marvel. I know Drew's dying to say that. I beat you to it. Marvel's a whole other story, and I think I probably told Michael about, you know, we are talking about Cornette and Marvel stuff. The Meatloaf story upon meeting Meatloaf was pretty damn great. Again, we'll save that for another another time. So, but See, we've only got, what, 16 matches this round? Yeah. We've got a little bit of time to go off track. Yeah, we got... Uh, stuff our random musings are actually doing us some good yeah (laughs) working out perfect just like we planned right exactly (laughs) every time we crack an egg it just rolls into the pan beautifully So the Midnight's 21-3 to over the Usos, setting up a dream matchup next round. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, the last 30, what, uh, 40 years almost, close to 40 years that this would have been a dream match to see, the Bulldogs and the Midnight's. 85 Bulldogs and 85 Express. The Bulldogs. 86 Express. We know Cornette's going to bring Big Bubba along for this matchup. So I would imagine the Bulldogs have to reach deep here. We're going to have Matilda, Lou Albano, and Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. <laughs> Matilda <laughs> runs up by... Oh, I Matilda thought maybe you're going to try to counteract Bubba's size and suggest they bring over Big Daddy. Hey, Big Daddy. <laughs> Matilda runs up, bites Bubba in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you have getting bit last week? <laughs> wasn't, wasn't this just a continuing theme yeah. now? It was Daddy Ass, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Matilda biting this week, Spiker. Well. Look, as far as I can tell, Matilda actually never bit anybody. You had storylines around her getting kidnapped, but I don't think she ever fucking bit anybody so um, we're making up for lost time with this tournament right <laughs> you're booking it left and right here would Cornette borrow Bobby Heenan's uh, dog suit from Wrestlemania <laughs> <laughs> I've never- 
was. Was the weasel suit reinforced? Maybe he could wear that one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Shout out to Jim Cornette. He's been named dropped more this episode, I think, than any other podcast besides his own yeah. has in a while. So he may never listen to this and that's okay, but thank you for your contribution, sir. Unless Jamie texts you and says, hey, listen to this episode. No, I don't have that relationship with Jim anymore. It's a shame, but I did get name dropped a couple times, but that's about yeah. it. I'll get John Fell on this case here. I was just about to say, we all have a connection with the good man, John Fell, who is incredible. We need to get him on the show at some point. Great guy. The incredible dude. Coming soon, hopefully, for the 80s toy discussion we're lining up. He spends enough time falling in Baltimore, he might as well be the king of it. But I'm Does that make Neely the court jester? <laughs> John's the king. Oh, I, I felt bad. He's like, he, he always looking for people going to CAC or, uh, or Iowa. I can't make either one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, he's going to get to see Les Thatcher in Iowa, so that will make him happy because he's been asking Barry, God, at least three years to try and get Les to a CWF fan fest. So now he'll get to see Les in Iowa. But isn't Les kind of old and doesn't really travel? Is that part of the problem? Or I don't know. He's He said he's going to be in Waterloo unless he's dead, I think, is how he responded to Neely's question because he's one of the people that Neely tagged in that post. I mean, it's probably only, but he's still in Tennessee, isn't he? Thatcher, and even if he's in the Carolinas, he's in a western part of the state, so so probably seven eight hour drive. That's not terrible. Uh, Vegas or to Florida. Yeah. Moving on, the number seven seed Harlem Heat, Booker T and Stevie Ray against the thirty nine seed of the skyscrapers, the aforementioned Dan Spivey and Sid and the Harlem Heat take him to the woodshed, seventeen to seven. See, I'm surprised this one wasn't kind of more of a drubbing. I'm still shocked at that last one being such a one sided drubbing that I'm surprised something like this wasn't a little more lopsided I guess well, there's a lot of people that really enjoyed early late 89 I guess it would have been early 90 WCW and the skyscrapers squash matches were so much fun to watch to see how Sid was going to try and maim an enhancement talent so I can understand why they got some votes yeah they were very very imposing and they kind of had that the old-fashioned road warrior way of dealing with squash matches where we're just gonna clobber the shit out of people for real and there with teddy long at this point isn't that right they started yeah. with teddy yep. so you, you have teddy and sherry on the outside that could get real fun real quick yeah put you in a tag team match with kane now it's not um no colonel rob parker outside with harlem heat you're saying just sister sherry they were a better team with sherry yeah snake mike <laughs> And I'm going to say Booker probably pins Sid in this one after Sid jumps off the top rope and lands wrong, breaks his leg. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Jesus. That hurts just thinking about. It. Oh. Yeah. Have you ever seen that injury? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was. I don't know what's worse, that one or when Joe Theismann got knocked out in Monday Night Football. I watched Lawrence, that Lawrence Taylor. I remember that, too. I was one year old when that happened. I had never seen it up until a couple years ago, and I'm like, huh, it can't be that bad. No, it was. I'm like, okay, I watched it once, so I never need to see it again. I'm good. I said, I'm good. <laughs> I'm sorry. After seeing one, I'm good. It always has to follow with that. So thank you, Michael. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Sherry and Parker thing, then that became more about them than it became about the tag team. So I think that would just be more of a, which could cost them the match. I mean, actually, there you go. Teddy Long can book him in a handicap match against Kane, playa. <laughs> there. I mean, it makes perfect sense to have them both out there. Hey, where did Har- didn't Harlem Heat start out as Cole and Kane? Yes. yes did. Okay. For a little while, and I think 93 WCW. And they were actually originally called Shy Town Heat. Okay. Very did they, good. Did they come with the Starcade 87 entrance music? They did not. They 
still actually they've had the same music the whole time i believe which was a great theme song so right refresh and my uh, memory what were they in gwf they were experience. Experience. experience do you have any experience okay well that's that's not weird at all her but i can't remember if it actually happened or if it was just talked about but when they first signed with wcw they were going to be brought in as like prisoners where they were you know wearing the jumpsuits and everything and colonel parker was supposed to be their manager and they were going to come to the ring like chained together and shackles like prisoners i think it happened for one match and then they're like oh god with colonel parker dressed like this oh yeah looks like they're slaves we can't ever do this that ever again right i wasn't sure if it was uh just discussed or if it really went down I'm, i am almost positive they came out for one match that i did not know that but that's that's horrible yeah that is a horrible 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 thing yeah that that rings a bell i don't remember saying it but it's triggered something like that oh oh I'm I, sure, I read that I'm, that was, I'm sure it triggered something was the original gimmick good lord oh my wow yeah. i cannot get over that moving on yeah let's move forward here the 10 seed steiner brothers rick and scott steiner against the number 23 seed the horsemen the brain busters whatever you like to call them tully and arn and this one came down to it 13 to 11 and uh, the steiner brothers pull it off and the steiners are going to move on to face the harlem heat and uh tully and arn got my vote here but steiner brothers got the love here that's, yeah, a, that's, that's unfortunate that's unfortunate that's... but the, the steiner brothers basically from day one were awesome yeah as soon as uh, they brought Scott in and teamed the two of them up together, you knew you knew they were going to be great. And in all fairness, Tully and Arn really only had a two-year run. Yeah, they packed a lot in, but compared to the Steiner's body of work, yeah. th- this doesn't make sense. I mean, we never did get to see this matchup because Tully and Arn were already gone to the WWF when Scotty and Rick started teaming. And then in Jim Hurd's infinite wisdom, we lowball Tully, cut Arn's offer in half. Tully doesn't come in and we never get the actual horse reforming and another Fuck. run with Arn and Tully as a team that we should have had. Fucking pizza dick. <laughs> yeah, he really uh, messed things up. That's he sat two rows in front of uh, Dennis Carluzzo and I at the uh, Great American Bash in Baltimore. And Dennis just like harassed him the whole night. Didn't <laughs> Uh, didn't say okay. like directly to him calling them names or anything but just like putting over everybody else saying about how great they were okay this is bash 89 right bash 89 yeah we're in camera range very card one of the best pay-per-views ever in my opinion jamie were you part of the john hitchcock front row section d gang no okay no okay, i was good. not i was part of the dennis carluzzo posse okay so i met those guys but not yeah, those okay, are the carolina boys not there yeah the okay. carolina guys okay well i i didn't know if they ever ran together or anything like that i don't know if there was any correlation or loser correlation no not with those guys those okay. guys if anything you have to mixture in with the jeff baldrin florida boys right, that was the south okay. florida guys because it was gotcha. hitchcock and oban johnson and uh, bruce mitchell mitchell yep. yeah a couple more of them but the names yep. are escaping apache bull ramos um he was in the south florida gang yeah he's in the south florida gang good he's old, still good in old it. robert mitchell there's only one guy that got excommunicated from that south florida <laughs> gang Okay, because I didn't know and I didn't know who else to approach about the subject of there had ever been any kind of crossing paths or bad blood because every time they had Hitchcock on the 605, he made him sound like a bigger deal than he actually was. And I wanted to hear from somebody if it was actually true or not. What, that Hitchcock was a big deal? Yeah. Um, I really didn't know much about him at the time, so let's just put it that way. Okay. I knew okay. about the Florida guys, but myself, okay. I didn't know anything about the Mid-Atlantic guys until I ran into them at um, Fujinami Flair, St. Petersburg. What was that, 90, 91? 91, yeah, that was yeah. Uh, the very first 
brawl, wouldn't it? Right. And I went down yeah. to Florida for that one. Ronald and you formed a get together, so I went down there for that. Okay. You kind of had all of the groups mingling or in the same area at that point, right? Because you had the South Florida guys, you had the front row section D guys, and then there was you and Ron in like the Northeast. Right. And uh, yeah, right. Scott Scott Dickinson was there. It was, you had, yes, you had those guys, you had the Florida guys, you had the, the front row section D guys. And then from 88 through 91, we were having, uh, for lack of a better term, Melcherites were all meeting up in different cities. Okay. Uh, and a lot of those guys, from those gatherings all came to gotcha. for that time. So that was more or less the uh, one of the big farewells because I didn't, after that, I didn't hardly, hardly ever see anyone until okay. more recent times. I was just kind of curious how they all kind of formed and everything like that, how the different, and I know you'd give me an honest, straightforward opinion about it as opposed to Hammond and Hawn. If I asked Dave Flaherty, I'd be there six hours later and he'd be yammering on about, <laughs> you know, how great how it was. For Brody for Judas Priest or whatever. And how he tried to buy Coke off Neil Peart or whatever. <laughs> or sold it yeah. to Luna. And I'm like, Dave, that's not what I fucking asked you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, a promo story. Before we get back to the actual tournament here, I looked up, I was trying to find if there was a picture of Harlem Heat in the get-up and everything in the chain. Oh, God. It, they were going to be called the Posse, and they were going to be death row inmates, was the gimmick. This just keeps getting worse. And, and they were going to come out in chains, and like that they'd been thrown in prison unjustly, and that then they added Colonel Parker to it, and and then Bischoff saw it and he's like, this can never be on television. Oh, okay, ever. good. Okay. Do right. you think this came out of the mind of Bill Watts? Well, because it's kind of actually the timing is the end of Bill and the beginning of it's Bischoff. That range. Yeah, because from what I see from uh, what culture, it says that uh, Mark Madden wrote in his June 28th, 1993 pro wrestling torch column. It was a rare moment of lucidity from Bischoff <laughs> that he stopped this. <laughs> yeah. from everything. There's a unique person, Mark Madden. Yeah, I I'm met glad him you a couple cl- times. Mike, I'm glad you clarified that Parker wasn't with him originally when they pitched it. And then they added him, and then they said that's why I said it couldn't get any worse because I thought he was with him initially. And then you're like, no, no they added him. And then Bishop was like, no, I'm, oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah just not. <sighs> I don't know whose thinking that was. I don't know. Was was only around? He did some booking in Bischoff's early run, didn't he? And then Oli badmouthed Bischoff to Blackjack Mulligan and got punched in the face or something, and Oli was gone. On shortly after that mm, couldn't happen to a nicer guy was, were they still kind of having a committee then with like a bunch of like Greg Gagne and Mike Graham I can't remember maybe because isn't that what they were called the Legends Roundtables they used to have on the 24-7 you know before so, they had, yes. they had WWE 24-7 I've got the DVDs something like that and I mean you had on one of those you had Mike Graham taking credit for bringing in Hulk Hogan it was all his idea and he made the calls you've had Greg Gagne say that it was his idea he suggested it to Eric and he made the calls to get Hulk in and then you've got Flair and I think Bischoff even says Flair was instrumental in actually getting it to happen he's the one that actually contacted Hulk and got it set up so I don't know it's hard it's hard to say who would have been booking in this time frame and who would have come up with that idea it just kind of feels like an only idea to me but but maybe not a bad idea at any rate (laughs) that's putting it mildly I never thought I'd say it but thank God for Eric Bischoff (laughs) Right. Holy hell. First time for everything, I guess. And although the whole thing just brings me back to one of Booker T's catchphrases, tell me you just didn't say that. (laughs) Chucky ducky quack quack. (laughs) I love that. I might be one of the five people that actually enjoys that. Are you in his fave five? Is that what you're telling us, Spiker? No, I don't even think I'm in his top eight on MySpace, but. Oh, well, that's too bad. 
Okay, so speaking of NXT-related things, Booker T's on NXT. Michael, I want you to record this because you know how I feel about this. I'm glad that Baron Corbin came back as the lone wolf last night and had a really good match with him and Mello. All right, I can't. We'll probably see that on Friday at lunch because tomorrow okay. we have Collision. Okay, we just got caught up on Rampage. Because I want you to hear it and have it recorded somewhere for posterity. <laughs> actually, that you said something nice about Baron Corbin. Yes, because they actually worked really well together, I felt. Awesome. Well, I tried telling you, I thought the matches would be great and, and it would be a good thing for Mello experience-wise to work with a guy who has been in the main event scene at different times on the main roster. So. Mello's just so damn good, though. Like, I yeah. still need to see him and Finn from Monday night, but I have no doubt that that was incredible, too. It was very good. It was and, very good. you know, the match. So here is me officially giving props to Baron Corbin. <laughs> I still think the money match there is with, with Trick and Hayes. I like Trick. Yeah, yes, at some point. I think point, Trick could be the bigger star. He could. I think he's got a little bit more personality, and he's yeah. got thighs, which, you know, nothing against Mello, because he's fantastic, but, you know, even though Vince isn't in charge, just Trick has the extra height and everything that makes him look a little more imposing. I'm going to guess he just hasn't gotten the work down yet. I think so. I think that's what's holding yeah. him back, and hopefully he puts it together, because he could be a star. And with Baron, I think he might be a case of one of those guys that just is better utilized and can do more for the company in a role in NXT as opposed to on the main roster. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, if you're if you got a guy who's quote unquote full of potential, but you're just jobbing him out and running him through gimmick after gimmick after gimmick, or you could send him back to NXT where he can shine and take what he's learned on the main roster and help teach the guys who are coming up trying to get to the main roster, and right. he can still have great matches with these guys and actually build a career. Well, and apparently there wanting to kind of get back to where Triple H had NXT before he had whatever episode with his heart when they were more of an actual third brand. And I think that's why you're seeing Corbin come down, Mustafa Ali come down. They're bringing in some bigger names to help elevate things and get a little more eyeballs back on the product and try to get it back up to that level. Like uh, Rollins coming down, was it last week? Against yeah. pending the title. I mean, that that gave them their best ratings in like two and a half years. For yeah. I mean, when they first went on WWE network. Um, it was unusual to see Claudio down there and right. uh, Natty against uh, Charlotte at the time yeah. and then some other main roster people coming back down and, and working and then not always putting the, the young town over but at least working with the young town. And I think this is Triple H's answer to okay, you know, we're not doing the indie rating thing. It seems like AEW scooping up everybody but we have enough guys that we're not using on our main shows. We can take down there and pretty much do the exact same thing with some of the younger guys were bringing. Exactly. I mean, look and, how... And it's working. Look how entertaining um, to a different level Drew Gulak is now. Oh, yeah. I, I've always been a fan of his, but he's doing some quality work now, so... I really enjoyed him in the time before Vince started meddling in 205 Live. Yes. Oh, great. Doing, like his PowerPoint presentation and... Yes. I'm really disappointed that the, that they killed that off because it was a fun, enjoyable show and it was different. And they're pairing Gulak with Regal's kid, which I think is a friggin' genius idea. Yeah. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, is that off. Regal's kid? Yes. yes. Okay. I, I see the resemblance. But, yep. And I knew he was NXT, but I wasn't sure which guy it was because I don't yes. follow it th- that close. Yeah. yeah. That's him. And he's improving quickly. It makes me want a Gulak and Regal match so bad, but if we get, you know, Dempsey sitting on under the learning tree of his father, Andrew, yeah. might be the best thing we get to it. So, yeah. you know who I do like in NXT is that little blonde from the um, that lost to Tiffany on. Oh. 
Thea Hale. Oh, sorry. Thea Hale. I didn't mean to ruin that for you. No, no, I, I didn't expect that she would win. We didn't watch that, but I heard she put on a pretty good show, though, so. Yeah, that's the only match I saw so far. She's a little spitfire. I, I like her. Yeah. It's only 19. I mean, she's got the size going against her, but uh, she's got a nice little psycho attitude. <laughs> See, I, I, know. Think, I think she'll be better as a heel eventually. I know Mike has a big Chase U banner hanging outside his house. You know, I hated that at the very beginning. It was terrible, and they won me over yes. with Andre Chase when he would be doing, like, the classroom stuff, and they were having to bleep it out because he was going yes. on rants about different things. That really yes. won me over. And then when they put Duke Hudson with him, I thought, oh, God, this is going to ruin it. And it actually made Duke Hudson more interesting to me than he had been previously. Yeah, I thought Agreed. Duke would have turned by now. Yeah, I really thought that's what they were doing. And Ashlyn just asked me last week or the week before where Andre Chase was, and apparently they moved him up to the main roster at uh, the draft. God damn it. But, I was biting my tongue because you said Andre, and I, you'll see. That's all I'll say. Okay. Sorry, I um, was really trying to keep quiet. No problem. No problem. Thea Hale has potential. They've made her a little bit annoying to me at times, but there's definitely something there. It's just going to take her a little while to hone it all, I think, because like you said, she's 19. She started on the show right after she graduated high school last year. Yeah, yeah I remember that was doing her, that little thing where she announced that she was going to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah so, like her declaring what college she was right, going that, to. Exactly. Yeah. So wasn't that where Junior wanted to go to grad school at? Was Chasey when you talked him out of it, Jamie? Yeah, bad, bad mistake on my part. <laughs> Junior's a shooter. He could take all those guys apart. And that I have no doubt about. He's so. short and wiry. He would have taken over Chase U with that Eagle Scout leadership mentality. Absolutely. Yeah. He's taking over the Axtro in place right now. There you go. Heck yeah. All right. All right. So anyway, sorry to sidebar about that, but we were talking about Booker T and I knew I had to get that out. So Mike can be like, ah, I knew it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can put that in the I told you so column. Yeah. I, but hey, you know what? I admit, you know, when I'm impressed by something, if it's something I won against before, I'm not going to say I was wrong, but. <laughs> Shout out to Rodney Swift. Here I am being right again, Rodney. Say what? All right. So yeah, Steiners over the Brain Busters. This broke my heart. I understand why people voted for the Steiners, but Tully and Arn are my all-time favorite tag team. And I really wanted there to be a chance of Tully and Arn meeting FTR. I guess that I would have put in the final, the maybe. That's a dream scenario. Yeah. Now, Mike, what would you rather see more, FTR in the Midnights or FTR and Tully and Arn? Oh, FTR and Tully and Arn, hands down. Because it would have been like Arn Anderson and Arn Anderson wrestling Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Because to me, that's what uh, Dax and Cash are, is Arn Anderson and Arn Anderson. I know that there's elements of the Midnights to them and some other classic tag teams but to me you watch some of their mannerisms and just how they carry themselves in the ring they both remind me of Arn Anderson and Arn's one of my three favorite wrestlers of all time so and all I can think of yeah. is FTR and Arn standing there and doing the Spider-Man pointing meme at each other <laughs> like going <laughs> yeah and then all three simultaneously pull Glocks on each other um, <laughs> which Arn is still the man after all this time he is still the man the second Arn Amendment. <laughs> Arn is still the man. Even though he's just yep. a manager on AEW, he is still the fucking man. And again, another guy who you meet person, he could not be any different than his character. He was very nice, you know, very soft-spoken, very pleasant, had a very interesting conversation with him. I'm, I'm jealous of that because that's one thing that COVID robbed me of was meeting Tully and Arn. Well, the day everything started shutting down was the day before I was supposed to go to Ohio to a Bobby Fulton fan fest. And I had tickets to meet 
do the meet and greet and photo op with Arn and Tully and with Jim Cornette, Dennis Condry, and Bobby. Oh, geez. Ouch. Oh, that sucks. So, yeah, I mean, Bobby's gone, so that can never happen again. And we were actually supposed to go out to dinner with Jim Cornette the night, like after the Fan Fest, the wrestling show, and then he was hosting a Q&A with Dan Severin after the wrestling match. And John Fell and Neely and Mark Hurtweck and I were going to go out to dinner with Cornette after that was all over with. And then everything shut down for COVID and it kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And last March, I was supposed to make that trip for the makeup show and go there with Zaha and Travis Rains and Mark and Brandon New. And then I ended up in the hospital with AFib the day before yeah. was to go on that trip. So yeah. I was just never meant to make it to this Bobby Fulton show in Ohio. Never get you waking up that message. You were in the hospital. I'm like, what the fuck happened? I said, that's a weird way to go into an autograph show buddy yeah he's got they have tully scheduled at one in september if they add arn i would strongly have to consider making the four-hour drive to meet them and have them sign my four horsemen dvd that uh, barry windham and jj Dillon signed at fan fest first time i went but as far as i know i don't think arn will be there so i probably won't make the trip but no he was just such a joy to meet in person i didn't expect him to be as talkative as he was and in person it's like he is intimidating as fuck but not in an overwhelming terrible way it's like holy crap like christine that was one of the voices of my childhood man right there that's awesome so yes so we end up now with the steiners moving on to face harlem heat in the next round which i think the, the team of tully and Arn against harlem heat would have been pretty wild yeah agreed but i mean here we have a good rivalry matchup right. harlem heat this is the Steiners. They have some so, great matches. Kind of, so we move okay. forward into the next set of matches here. We got the number three seed, the Hart Foundation, Brett and Jim, against the 35 seed of the Funk Brothers, Terry and Dory Jr. And the Hearts run away with it 15 to 9. I'm sorry, Terry. There's no, no way I voted for the Hearts here. I'm pretty sure I voted for the Funks, but my computer's acting up here, so I can't see my vote. But I can understand people going with the Hart Foundation. They're, they were the newer thing, and by the time the Funks are in WWF and I'm not talking about Jimmy Jack uh, <laughs> and you know they were especially Dory Dory was broken down or at least had the appearance of being broken down in their WWF run I stand corrected I voted for the Hart Foundation here however I did that with the uh, with an ulterior motive in mind wanting to see them uh, lose in the next round and, and I, I should have just voted for the Funks I guess no but Mike you and I voted with the same idea yeah okay we wanted to see justice served yes <laughs> a long-term storytelling damn it <laughs> yeah this would have been a fun matchup uh they would have overlapped maybe a little bit or not did the hearts come in after terry had to go home to take care of his horse no no the no they were there all at the same time yeah they were there okay. in 86 because remember the hearts were in the, the battle royal at wrestlemania 2 and right. the funks wrestled jyd and tito in our all-time classic so were the they actually came in before wrestlemania 1 right and they put it with jimmy hart which is how they became the Hart Foundation. Right, but so, they right, was there late '84, even. Yeah, right. He was just him and uh, him, him, Davy Boy and Dynamite uh, were on those. Uh, was it Hamilton, Ontario TV tapings for All Star Wrestling? Yep. They alternated teaming up all the time before they finally settled on putting Davy Boy and Dynamite together. Now, what were the Funks still with Jimmy Hart at the same time that the Hart Foundation was? Were they all part of the Hart family or not? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the question was, we probably wouldn't have ever had a chance to see 
them wrestle at that point. And no. obviously not if they were all part of the hard pants. So that's too bad because they, they overlapped enough to where they could have had matches potentially. Yeah, well, Terry comes in in 85 and immediately feuds with uh, the Saturday Night main event shot against Hogan. Hogan. Him, and, him then, and Hogan. Right, and then that shifts over to, to JYD and Terry. And then um, Big Haas comes in not long before WrestleMania 2. And then after WrestleMania 2, Terry bails and we end up with uh, Jesse Bar. Jimmy Jack. Jimmy Jack. Put it in reverse, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Back up. Back up, Terry. Back up, Terry. Wait, is that how the, the truck accident happened on the Double Cross Ranch? Why Dory couldn't put Jack over for the title? <laughs> I mean, Terry wasn't there to put and, it in reverse. And I mean, geez, we're about a week out from the 4th of July. That's why I'm even thinking of putting it in reverse, yeah, exactly. Terry. <laughs> yeah, a very timely reference. Yeah. Ah. I mean, this will come out after the 4th of July, but still. Yes. I mean, as we're recording this, being as we were recording far in advance, yeah, yeah, we're about a week out. But all I can think of is put it in reverse, Terry. And I haven't watched it yet this year. So. Festive mood. Yep. Yeah. It's a 4th of July classic, that and Independence Day, the first one, because we forget the second right. one ever existed. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, great so. areas, I think Terry would probably take the pin here. Yeah. Oh, no. But he'd happily do it, too. Yeah. yeah. So. So Marty's not letting Dory do the pin. No. <laughs> no. Even if a young Roman Gomez is at ringside begging for an autograph. <laughs> Uh, doing a job. Maybe if a young Bill Khan was there to talk about her eyes and distract Marty, then maybe Dory could have done the job. I wonder if Bill Khan could get my five dollars back from Marty. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to see that. But if anybody could do it, Doctor Khan could do it. Yeah, he sweet talked her there at Fan Fest. Either Would that, you... or, or I could get Mama Khan to do it because there you go, Mama Khan. There's a real Southern belle that, that could probably charm Marty into giving me my five dollars. I'm actually sure Doctor Khan still waits. We want Adam to call just to see we get your five dollars back, and then, <laughs> and then like, like, okay, that's all we needed. Bye. <laughs> that sounds like a future discussion topic. <laughs> we have them all for the '80s toy. Be like, hey, by the way, right, yeah. do you think you get Jamie's five dollars back? <laughs> <laughs> or either that or Jamie becomes the paper boy from Better Off Dead. I want my $5. $5. $5. <laughs> That's the second Better Off Dead reference. I was going to say, made. this week, right? Yes. One on Monday. Yeah, because yeah, we made one for the Money in the Bank preview show. Now we're referencing oh. again tonight. It's one of my favorite scenes in any John Cusack movie ever. And that was the kid from Christmas kid. Story. Yes. Continuity. Falling off the cliff at the end. dollars <laughs> Well, how about the guys that would always pull up wanting to race them, talking like Howard Cosell? Yes, uh, classic. <laughs> and that was um, wasn't one of them um, Karate the Kid. guy from Revenge yep. of the Nerds. One of them was uh, the evil dude from uh, Karate Kid Two. Chosen, chosen. chosen. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I got my guys mixed up. Okay, but the other one totally could have been Chosen Cosell. <laughs> Here we have two cop. <laughs> one of the yeah, that's a great. Everybody that, watch Better Off Dead. Yes, if you haven't seen it, this is your assignment from us. After you're done listening to this episode, go watch Better Off Dead if you haven't. I believe I saw that in the movies. That's how old I am. I remember renting classic. it as a release. I've actually had a lot of people tell me, and, and my own wife tell me I re- resemble uh, John Cusack back when I had hair. I can see that. Yeah, I can definitely see that. That was so one my- crazy summer. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite movie of his is, uh, to go off on another tangent, is the one about the uh, 1919 Black Sox. Eight Men Out. Yeah, so that's a great movie. 
movie. High Fidelity is great, too. I was just about to say, High yeah. Fidelity might be up there, too, as a favorite. That Gross Point Blank was pretty good, too. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, Eight Men Out's a very underrated baseball movie, I think. Yeah. Amy, we'll have to have you back on. We're going to do a sports movie episode. Yes. Okay. I thought you were going to say we're going to do a John Cusack because oh, I like well, Serendipity, too. Yeah, we could. Yeah, that was a good one. I always liked Identity. Yes. I thought that was a very good movie. Actually, I had a heck of a twist to it, too, I felt. Yes, so. it did. Yes, it did. But I thought his second best role was Con Air. He was very good in that. Conair is just great, period. I, I, I can sit here and talk about Conair all night. There's no letdown in that movie. It's just continuous. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, and, the, and the cast is amazing. Oh, my God, yeah. Malkovich is the bad guy. is fantastic. Malkovich. Even the, the, the little little roles like Cole Meany yes. as the, the FBI agent or whatever. He gets his car ruined at the end. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's so many. Uh, Danny Trejo's in it, I think. And uh, Ving Rames. Ving, Ving Rames and um, Milketty Williamson, I think. Yeah. That's how you pronounce his oh. name is. Yeah, I mean, you could just go on just about that cast. Yeah. I actually remember when it came out, you had that huge stand-up in the theater lobby, and the, and the listing of the cast was like, I'm seeing like, the big letters over the big stand-up of Nicolas Cage with the long hair. Yeah. Cameron Poe. Yeah. Yes. Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> yes so after you're done watching better off dead go watch connor if you haven't seen it if you haven't seen it it's on tv like all the fucking time yeah TNT but it is edited the, the uncut version's better yes yeah. agreed for sure agreed and of course the great steve buscemi who is fantastic in that movie the young dave Chappelle. yes dave Chappelle. yes yes so many good people in that movie so in case you haven't seen it there's another we should start doing movie recommendation of the week on every episode i'm telling you I, there's a good I idea want, guys i want to start the other ship movie club so I'm down. Well, we'll start picking movies and we'll post it in the group. We'll put up a poll, let the group pick a movie. And then we can maybe get somebody from the group that, you know, is a fan of that movie or whatever and get them on the show. We'll all watch it and discuss it. Sounds like a plan. Just like them filming a five second pose. Yeah, yeah that's a good segue to this next match there, Spiker. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The number 14 seed, the Midnight Rockers, Sean and Marty. They like to party. <laughs> Against the number 19 seed, Edge and Christian. Speaking Nothing of which, really good I, I don't that. remember you playing that song live. That, that was a good edit in there. Yeah, you, well, you, you asked me for that. You said, hey, can you... And you throw in the Russell oh. Rock Rumble. So I recorded it and I was telling Drew, I'm like, I record it and I listen back when I add it into the episode. And I'm like, man, oh, it's perfect. It sound that good. And then I I'm just like, started off with it. It didn't sound good in the first place in 86 when it came out. The, oh, come the on. audio quality was bad. So it's perfect. However, listening to it, I thought I was I was listening to uh, a little thing on Glow. Remember Glow used to do the little in cuts like yeah. that? Yeah. Well, that's the best part where I put it in right after it ends. You said this is like something out of glow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was perfect the way it timed up there. So yeah, yeah Rockers versus Edge and Christian. Christian. This would have been a fun match. Definitely. And a very close in the tally here, 13 to 11. It yeah. came down to it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to guess we get the double drop kick on Christian for the pin. And then a double drop kick edge outside the ring. Or the rocket launcher or something. Yeah, or maybe it's a double super kick to take Edge out of the ring. I really didn't think the Midnights were going to win this one. I thought this was a perfect position for Edge and Christian to go over. Well, you know, some people will say that it's because of people's love of Shawn Michaels. 
polls that they beat Edge and Christian. And there may have been some people that voted that way, but I think if you look at it, without the Rockers and the way they kind of took quote-unquote high-flying to the next level from a team like, say, the Rock and Roll Express, you don't get an Edge and Christian or a Hardy Boys or some of the teams of that Monday Night War era without a team like the Rockers. Very true. I can uh, see that. So here's the thing. People say Edge and Christian, you know, the more memorable team. Do you remember how Edge and Christian broke up? No. Do you remember how Sean and Marty broke up? Yes. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because no, I and I was watching at the time, but no, I couldn't tell you how Edge and Christian split up. I don't remember at all. So which uh, team had the bigger impact? We're still talking about that barbershop moment 31 years later. Yeah, I mean, just Mattel, I think it was. Or maybe it was a knockoff company. I can't remember. Some toy company. 3D printer, actually. Yeah. yeah. Some toy company just released a barbershop playset for like the WWE figures with like the breakaway window where you which, could throw someone through the barbershop window. Which, by the way, Mac, if you're listening, JJ wants that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that was an iconic moment when Marty Jannetty cowardly jumped through that window to get away from Shawn Michaels. That was the moment the Heartbreak Kid was born, baby. Yeah. You know, but did Edge and Christian, but I don't think either one of them ever reached the heights that Shawn Michaels did, and I will fight somebody over that. Oh, no, that neither one was ever like Shawn Michaels' boots. Jamie has spoken. Edge was big for his time period when he was on top, but if you put him in, what would you call it, the new generation era, the Monday Night Wars era, as a single, I don't think he makes it past the mid-card. He doesn't make it past the IC title. No, him and Christian would have just been dudes, you know? Yeah. He fit for the time period where he became a main eventer, but Christian most definitely only became a world champ because they had two different world titles, and even his first run as a world champ was in ECW, wasn't it? As the ECW world champion, the WWE ECW world yeah. champ. Yeah, because he, and, did, cause he did that first, and then he, then he didn't win the belt till after after Edge retired. Right, that's the only reason he got the belt. Right. Yeah. As like a consolation prize because Edge was gone. And I'm not sure that Edge would have ever had a title reign with only one world title to go around. Agreed. I I don't know that he would have broke into that grouping without having separate world titles on Raw and SmackDown. I remember being the only... I wish they would have stayed with the original concept where the champion was going to jump back and forth. Right. I remember being the only person happy when Jericho beat Edge at WrestleMania that one. I was the only person that was thrilled about that. And now what do we say about Jericho? Do the job, Chris. (laughs) Chris says do the job, Chris. Come on. <laughs> or no, is, is it do the right thing or do the job, Chris? It's either or. Yeah, because it's, do, it's do the job. Because doing because the job is the right it, thing. Doing the job is the right thing. That's right. Uh, Drew, that needs to be a shirt. Um, <laughs> so Do the right thing, do the job. Yes. I think it would be a heck of a match. But again, the Rockers were the reason why Edge and Christian, the Rockers ran so Edge and Christian could walk. So, the reason I voted for the Hart Foundation was this right here. <laughs> to see them and the Rockers yes. match in this round. That's the only reason I didn't vote for the Funks was because I wanted the Rockers to have a chance to beat the Hart Foundation like they really did for the tag titles, only it got overturned because of the rope break. 35 years later, and we're still talking Remember? about that. Drew, was that, that in Fort Wayne? That's what I was just getting ready to say. It was either Fort Wayne or South Bend. I was thinking it was Fort Wayne yeah. at the Allen County War Memorial. I actually think it was South Bend. Was it? Something tells me that. I'm not 100% sure. I think, was it a Saturday night main event taping? Yes. I think so, yeah. Yes. And I'm sorry, originally said 35. 
I think it happened what 1990 was it? So was it? No, it was it was their first run. But wait, the Hearts would have been tag team champs. The Hearts won the belts in 86, 87 ish, and then they didn't win them back till 1990 because I just watched them win them back at okay. SummerSlam. So, so it would have right. been. So, so it was in ninety then. Yeah, it would have had been 1990. Yeah, this was around the time when uh, they were getting ready to push Brett and Neidhart got in trouble with the airlines and was having the lawsuit, which he won. And then he actually, what got him fired, I think what Brett said in his book was that uh, Vince fronted Neidhart the money for his lawyers for the lawsuit and he got his settlement and he didn't pay Vince back. <laughs> I got a Jim Neidhart story, but it doesn't involve me. Uh, my old buddy, you guys familiar with the name Tom Robinson? Oh, yeah. TR. I was on 6TR. I was on 605 all the time. But TR's at the uh, Marriott in Philadelphia and, you know, everybody's drinking at the bar and stuff. And he goes up to uh, Jim Neidhart and asks him for a picture. And he obviously bothered Neidhart at the wrong moment. And Neidhart pushes him back, grabs the camera out of his hand, and throws it into the wall. <laughs> so all the pictures Tom had that night all got destroyed. Oh, man. And I'm betting he didn't say a damn thing to Jim Neidhart. <laughs> no. I mean, Tom was young then. Tom was only like 16, 17. So it yeah. was October 30th, 1990 in Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne okay. okay. See, when you get old, you forget things. I, the only reason I really remembered that it was Fort Wayne is because I went and saw a WCW Thunder taping in that same building in 98, 99, something like that. The main event was Ernest Cat Miller versus Wrath. That's where I had the front row seats and I got heat with Pinzer because he didn't acknowledge my hobby horse Pepe like crazy <laughs> Chavo Guerrero Jr. had. <laughs> and, and the thing that sticks out to me the most about that night is my buddy and I, we had front row seats right there kind of behind the announcers down just a little bit from him. And right behind us, one row behind us was former IU basketball star Damon Bailey, who was playing for the Fort Wayne Fury nice. of the CBA at that point. I think it was in between stints where he was with the Pacers and he was playing in the CBA for Fort Wayne. Yeah, he was an Indiana high school basketball legend. Oh, I mean, from eighth grade on, I think he got his first recruiting letter from IU when he was in the eighth grade. So he was a name forever. It seemed like he was at IU for 10 years because right. he recruited for five years <laughs> before he ever got there. Yeah, he was uh, after Steve Alford. Yep. And Mike leans back and says, hey, do you have any good stories of IU? And he goes, yeah, I got lots of <laughs> IU stories. I mean, Bobby Knight stories for me. Yeah. <laughs> I got plenty of Bobby Knight stories and just stares a hole in you. Okay. <laughs> All right, now for the next match here, Drew. Yeah, this one, another, dare I say, an upset. Yep. Number six seed, Hanson and Brody, against the 27th seed of the Hollywood Blondes, stunning Steve Austin and flying Brian Pillman, and the Blondes get the Duke, 13-11. to 11. I don't think it's really a surprise, per se, being as I know we have a lot of fans of the Hollywood Blondes, and I think they would definitely find a way to pull it off through chicanery, and probably Hanson Brody probably got disqualified. Yeah, they had to go back to Japan. Right. <laughs> you know, can you imagine Pillman trying to pull his loose cannon shit with Brody? <laughs> that would not have gone over well. He'd still be chasing Brody would be alive because he'd still be chasing Pillman. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think Hanson would have done the job for fellow Texan stunning Steve Austin here? Not at that point. Yeah. No. Yeah, so probably a DQ. At least I don't think so. I mean, it's, it would have to be a screw job of somehow. I mean, even if it's Austin and Brody, or Austin and Hanson more likely, outside the ring fighting, and then Pillman like crawls underneath the ring and grabs Hanson by the foot, and Austin beats the count in. Yeah. Or you, mean, the- you got to get real inventive to get Brody and Hanson out of the storm. Or you play up the fact that Hanson in real life is blind 
end is a bad. He goes to Larry at Austin and takes out the ref and the ref disqualifies him for it. There you go. That's so a way out. Turn on each other. Or Right, Drew. That's the other possibility. Yeah. Hanson and Brody finally go against each other. Yeah, Hanson yeah. accidentally turns around. He's hitting whatever moves. Turns around and clotheslines Brody thinking it was one of the blondes. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, like, Austin shoves Hanson out of the way into the corner and Pillman slides in with, with the quick pin on Brody while he's clobbered from the lariat. Right. And then Pillman takes off running and you never see him till the next round. <laughs> this was a close matchup, though. 13 to yeah. 11, though. I mean, the blondes eked it out here. I mean, one more vote goes the other way. Ashland yeah. makes a return. That's right. And <laughs> she wouldn't have had any idea who Hanson and Brody were, so they would have lost had it gone to a tiebreaker. So it's probably good that it went the way it did. Yeah. I mean, either way is a winner. So, but again, I think we reached a point where Hanson and Brody were going to have to go out somehow. Yeah, and they did. I mean, how do you not have them coming down towards the finals? Yeah. And especially with whoever was in the next match. I mean, yeah, you would have. I find the blonde somehow eking away out short of homiciding Ricky Morton if the Rock and Rolls won this next match. So, yeah, I, I think this was a good point for Hanson and Brody to go out. They got a couple of wins in, which you would expect. And then you get your your younger hotshot team here getting to move on. Yeah, right. And even however Brody and Hanson would lose, they would definitely still leave strong. Yeah. Like, and it, I mean, it could be like the real Crockett Cup. My uh, Mac was in attendance in the 87 Crockett Cup when the Midnight's went over the Road Warriors by DQ. And apparently everybody in the arena is on the feet chant bullshit oh, after sure. that happens. So, sure. Which a story has been corroborated by John Fell. So, well, John, Fell, well, John Fell was also there that night. That's right. So, yeah, Max like, is one of the loudest things I've ever heard in a wrestling arena. Everybody in that Baltimore arena was on their feet chanting bullshit as Cornet and the Midnight's are running away. <laughs> I can imagine an ending like that. Yeah. But then that puts the Blondes now in the next matchup against the very last matchup of this round. The 11 seed Rock and Roll Express against the 22 seed of Piper and Orndorff. And it was a close one again. 13 to 11. The Rock and Rolls pulled it off to go on and face the Blondes. I'm actually surprised it was that close. Piper and Orndorff weren't a regular tag team. I mean, they tag teamed a little bit when they first came in and then right before WrestleMania, but the rest of the time, they just didn't team that often. I voted for Piper and Orndorff, and part of that is, had this been a blind draw round like first round was, where I didn't know who the matchup would be, I could have gone for the Rock and Rolls. But in my mind, I wanted to see the build to Austin Pillman versus Piper Orndorff. The promos on both sides would have been phenomenal building up to that match. Yeah. Yeah, because you had four guys that could do the promo, yeah. where with Rock and Roll you're going to have three guys that can do the promo. Although, Jamie, were you at the Rock and Roll Express Fan Fest? Yes, but I wasn't outside with you guys. I didn't get all of that. I didn't get to see the dancing of Denny Brown and Robert, <laughs> Robert the sugar hold to people and all that, but uh, Robert Gibson was, he was funny during the, the dinner. He didn't talk a lot, but every time he did, he said something hilarious. Yeah, he was impactful. Yeah. I'll agree with that. But in front yes. of the camera, you gave us like Bobby. The, the two of those guys hardly ever talked. Yeah. He talked more than Bobby did, but right. he, not it, much. I, I, a lot. All I can imagine is Piper grabbing the microphone and saying, they call you Punky and Hoot? Well, that's not what I call you. <laughs> yeah. 
and him just going to town on him verbally. I mean, I went with the Rock and Rolls just because I think them and the Blondes together would be an outstanding. You want to talk about ultimate baby face in peril against Austin and Pillman? Yeah. The four teams, I could see it kind of going anyway, although I don't know how Hanson and Brody versus Piper and Orndorff would have went, but... I'm more interesting than Hanson and Brody against Ricky and Robert. Yeah. Well, Orndorff would have made sure of it. A lot of pride between those four guys. I mean, again, though, there would have been a bloody smear where Ricky Morton would have been had Brody gotten his hands on him. So Hanson and Brody versus the Rock and Rolls would have had people calling in saying stop the murder on TV. I I voted against the Rock and Rolls in round one. I picked Brian Kendrick and Paul London and upset there, but I voted for the Rock and Rolls against Dusty and Magnum in round two. So I was due to vote against them here. I guess maybe it just will alternate. (laughs) Probably not in this next one because the Blondes are one of my favorite tag teams. I know that Stone Cold Steve Austin was the bigger star, but to me, if I'm picking a match to watch, I'm watching something from Stunning Steve in WCW over pretty much anything from Stone Cold in WWE. But, and you and I have had this conversation, you don't have the epicness of Stone Cold and him being angry without the disappointment of Stunning Steve in WCW. Well, that's very true. Very true. I just feel like uh, from the time Steve Austin came into WCW, that was when I was first able to really see WCW consistently. And I remember getting one of the WCW magazines for him and Lady Blossom for the poster in the magazine and just he came in and he had like the air of a star about him I felt like at that. oh yeah yeah I think I told you guys last week that my buddy Dave Press first time he saw Austin he predicted he was going to be the future of wrestling just not the way it turned out but right. he was convinced that he was going to be like the next Ric Flair type with the long blonde right. hair and the guy could work exactly I, I can totally see that I thought that we, we should have had uh, Austin and Dustin Rhodes as like the Flair steamboat rivalry for the mid to late 90s out differently. I remember seeing Austin, I think it was in Global way back when. It was Global USWA, something like that. It was whatever was on ESPN. Yes, it was on it was on Price. Yep. It's when World Class was, it's when Jared took over. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Emery days. Yeah, the Eric Emery time. Yeah, something towards the end of that. And I'm like, man, first time I remember seeing him in WCW was when he beat Bobby Eaton for the TV title and I hated him because I loved Bobby Eaton at that point. Right, right. And from then on, it was like, okay, you know, and this time went on, I'm like, damn it, he's good, but I still don't like him. And then later on, Stone Cold will become one of my favorites ever. Yeah, I think even Pillman mixed in with Rhodes and Austin and Sting in that mid-90s. WCW could have really been a fun main event scene. You know, with Flair still playing a role, but more in the elder statesman kind of thing, you know. See that? Well, the so. thing was, they, the fans wanted Flair back. It, when he first re-debuted and they put him, uh, what was it, Flair for the gold? No, no. Yes. Not, <laughs> what, what was the talk segment with Feet? Yeah, it was Flair for, for the gold. gold. Oh, okay, it was Flair for gold. I, at that point, I don't think they were initially pinpointing him to get back into the title picture. I, I think the fans just demanded right. that he would be back in it. Yeah, I think so. Because then Austin and Pillman came out and did a fair for the old. Yep. Which yeah. is still one of my favorite parodies of anything ever. Again, was not a fan of Austin. I knew he was entertaining. And him and Pillman making fun of Flair and Arn, I didn't appreciate it much as I did later on at that point. But damn, I went back and rewatched it like, holy shit, this is actually really good. Complete with them doing the old camera thing. Right. Cranking the old time camera. Hand motion. And I think going into the next round, they could have a really great match with the rock and rolls. Oh, absolutely. Fast paced, a lot of selling, good psychology. It'd be a great yeah. match. A real barn burner, as they would say. Indeed. Kitty bar the door. Now, I Kitty. imagine that this rock and roll Piper Orndorff match ended with Bob Wharton coming off the top rope, just like WrestleMania. <laughs> 
clobbered by the old cast. Yep. You know, I think if more people would have taken Ace Orton into consideration here, Piper and Orndorff would have moved on because that would have given them the advantage. They could have stolen one from Ricky and Robert here. Yeah, I hadn't even given, given it a thought until I was just... I didn't either, but you saying that, that could have been the difference maker, honestly. And going forward, that uh, the next episode that we have, I won't recap what happened today. I mean, because the bracket's out now, and as of this airing, it will definitely be out. And next episode, we will wrap up this tournament we will take it from this point on and we will take it all the way to the final match and discuss accordingly as it shakes out yeah, we've got the sweet 16 the elite eight and, and the, the final four final and four in the championship coming up on the next episode here so it ends up being we had 16 matches we discussed today we have 15 matches next week but it's covering four actual rounds of the tournament. yes so and one of us may or may not have a meltdown depending how this all goes <laughs> yeah <laughs> the Christmas card list may get whittled down depending on how voting goes forward here. So we'll have to see. If you get a fruitcake brick, you know who the fuck you are. <laughs> oh. By the point of time this comes out, episode uh, round two of this will have come out and we will have had the bracket with those results posted. And then the day after this comes out, we'll post up the bracket with results so everybody is on the same page and ready to listen to the last episode and see where things go from there. Right, yeah, so check that out on the uh, the Other Ship Facebook group. Yes, and I want to give a shout out to everybody who's been participating on our page. I noticed we seem to be getting a lot more traction and interaction on our Facebook page, so thank you to all friends, new and old who are making it a good conversation spot for everything under the sun. Yeah. yeah, even I can tell you guys are starting to really pick up on the page and like I was telling you, I envision big things for the other ship. Both like the podcast and on the, the Facebook page. And it, it's not going to happen overnight, but I can say right. it's, it's going to happen. We're growing slowly and steadily. So. Yes, yeah, so thank you all for being part of it, listening to the shows, you know, listening to all the bonus shows, you know, everything you guys do is greatly appreciated by every single one of us. That's right. And we definitely want to thank Jamie again for being here this week week and we want jamie to get his plug in for uh regional wrestling that's right i should be recording with ray russell again next week another episode of georgia championship wrestling 1981 this will probably be in the month of april when we uh, resume and then also um ray along with roman gomez i believe is being released uh today their latest episode of mid-south wrestling or now the uwf 1986 so if you get a moment and you'd like to check out either one of our podcasts I think you'll enjoy it. You'll learn a lot. I know I learn a lot every week with Ray. Um, and I thought I knew Georgia pretty well. Ray is phenomenal. He, he just knows everything inside and out. So if you're a diehard, give us a listen. It's a great show. Ray leaves no stone unturned in his research for these shows. I mean, if something happened in the general vicinity of that company at that time, he has it written down in his notes. And Ray does at least two other podcasts. One where he covers WWF in 19, I think he's up to 1987 right now and then he does another one based on the Monday Night Wars right. and they're a little bit shorter in length but they're definitely overload of information yeah I just ordered a couple of stickers from T Public from the WrestleCopia regional wrestling site so check them out on T Public also as well as the other ship and pick up some merch stickers magnets coffee mugs t-shirts support these podcasts and the, everybody out there doing this stuff it's a good thing yeah because whether people realize it 
not you guys, myself, Ray, Roman, even Barry and Jeff. You're not in this to make money. No. Right? You're in it to support your passion. Wrestling is a drug. It has all sucked us in over the years. We're all been fortunate to meet up in this day and age where you get to meet up on Facebook or Twitter and you actually get to make new friends out of the deal. And every so often there's a gathering and you can actually meet people in person. And all this is a labor of love. Yeah, 100%. This show every week, it's a chance to hang out with my friends and cut up and talk and have a good time and enjoy each other's company. And, and the, the fact feed- that people want to listen to it is amazing to me. And the feedback that I've gotten about the other ship, that's exactly what they feel when they listen to it. It's like listening to a bunch of friends talk wrestling and all the other subjects you guys delve into. And, you know, you guys have two, three hour shows that start and before you know it, they're over. But you learn so much and took so much in during that time period. So you guys are on to something big here. It's going to happen. I said, not today, tomorrow, but you guys are going to hit it big eventually here. We appreciate it. Yeah. That's huge, com- that's huge coming from you, man. If you've been around, you've seen a lot of this and things like that. So definitely coming from you, that's a huge, huge like continent. And I mean, I mean, I go back to the, the tape trading days, um, putting ads in the wrestling news and doing my newsletters and then discovering the Observer and other smart dirt sheets back at the time and, and then going to my fan gatherings back in the late 80s and stuff and then drifting away and then with Brian last to creates this whole realm. I mean, Brian is due. If not for Brian starting the 605, the rest of this doesn't exactly you know, go, go on from there. I mean, that's how we all kind of met there originally. Yep. And then with Breaking Kayfabe, we got to know each other better. And through CWF Fan Fest, we got to actually meet up in person with a lot of these people. And, you know, there are friendships that I think will be lifelong friendships, most of them. And, and it's amazing. And I agree. And it's, it's, I have friendships that I made back in the 80s that through all this social media stuff, we've all reconnected uh, guys like uh, Ron Lemieux. It, we got pretty tight there during the Meltzer days. And as they say, reunited, we're in each other's fancy baseball and football leagues. That's great. And have been for over 10, 15 years. So it, it, it's, it's really great opportunity we all have with the way things are today. Absolutely. So when you guys want me back, I'll be here. I know I'll be here next week. But after that, anytime you want, you call Wednesday nights. As I just broke K-Fade there, Wednesday nights. <laughs> it's a good night for me, so I can make it if you need me. Hey, Drew, if you have your list handy, write down. I'd like to hear Jamie tell us how he got started with his newsletter when we do story time with Uncle Jamie. I'm fascinated by how you got into that. Okay. I assume just the magazines is how you got into the tape trading, but you know that was way beyond anything I would have ever gotten into. I know Drew did the tape trading a good bit for quite a while. And- yeah, we could talk about that with no problem because when I was on the 605, I don't think I ever explained how I got into it, just that I started doing one. And I mean, a lot of people had them back then, right? Jeff and Barry had one in the 90s, didn't they? Yeah, uh, well, I go back to, I started mine in 1983. Right, right. And trading tapes at that time. But we we can go into why I decided to start a newsletter and and stuff like that. Actually, actually, if we really want to go way back, I mean, from what I heard, Dave Jordan used to have to do it by ink at Candlelight for his. (laughs) There's actually 22 commands. <laughs> oh, so him and Greg Good knew Everything each other. After 10 yeah. was all inside info from the battles. Yep. Greg and Dave were neighbors before Mesopotamia split. And <laughs> once, once the continents drifted apart, they kind of lost touch. <laughs> but they stayed in touch with the dirt scrolls. Yeah. And it's a shame because I'm sure they have so much to catch up on. Not Mesopotamia, Pangea. Good Lord. 
<laughs> I completely screwed up Dave and Greg's origin story. I apologize, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, see, Dave, but the thing is, well, Dave hasn't disputed any of the origin stories we've given him. So, which one is accurate? Well, I don't think a Highlander tells. No, in the end, there can be only Dave. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go ahead and throw some more plugs in here. I want to throw a plug out for the girls at What's the Vibe. Amy will be back home before too long, and they'll be getting back in the saddle and getting new episodes out. So check out the girls at What's the Vibe on YouTube and wherever you podcast. And also, if you're looking for any interesting beach glass jewelry, check out my cousin Liam's Facebook page, Shoreline Gems. He's trying to make a few bucks and become a kidtrepreneur. He's out there trying to get his hustle going he's got some cool stuff very neat looking stuff so you're looking for a unique gift you know a lot of high school graduations and things going on recently if you need to get somebody a gift because you didn't make it to their graduation open house get them a necklace get them a bracelet we also want to shout out 98.5 wckm and our good friend and brother benji fido he always gives us support on and off air so we want to thank them and you can download their app and listen nationwide worldwide out in space on fucking Marglar or wherever the hell you are out in the galaxy. Download that. Tune in to Benji on Saturday nights from 6 to 11. And he's also out there supporting our good friends, the Josephines, Mike. That's right. Yeah, the Josephines. You want to go to josephines.net. You can pick up albums, CDs, stickers, t-shirts, sweatshirts. You can hear their music after 9.30 on the Only Gold Saturday Night Show with Benji on WCKM on the app or on their website site. The Josephines are great guys. They let us use their music every week at the end of our show, completely free of charge, just to spread word of mouth and get their name out there. And because they're awesome guys, they were on our very first episode of The Other Ship. We did a fun interview with them. We're going to have them back soon to do some Adam Sandler movie trivia and talk about aliens and all kinds of fun things. And Batman 1. Yeah, and Batman 1. Check out their music. Give them a listen. If you like country, you like southern rock, Outlaw Country Rock. They're fantastic. They cross multiple genres and they're extremely talented guys. If they're in your area, uh, go out, support them, check them out at a show, tell them that you heard about them on the other ship. But yeah, great guys. And we also want to give a plug to our friend and member of the other ship show, Jason D'Agostino. Jason has a podcast that comes out every other week with his friend David called the Not Another Sports Podcast. They talk a lot of Philly centric stuff, but a lot of general sports as well baseball, hockey, football, basketball. They cover kind of everything. And it's a fun show. It's a good time. Check them out everywhere you can get podcasts, whether it's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Podcast Addict, wherever you get your podcasts, look for the Not Another Sports Podcast. What up, Dags? Is there anybody else we need to plug? We can do shout outs. Shout outs to Shard and and Steven, Bruce and Cindy. Everybody's read this by the time this episode drops, but Michael is insufferably pleased with himself. He hasn't let us stop hearing about it these last few days, and he got to name Bruce's new lungs. Yeah, you beat out my bribe. Bruce isn't <laughs> going to get what I promised him now. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I put in five entries. I came up with a number of different suggestions. So, but I as mean, Cindy had both Bruce's lungs 
and what they're now named burgers and fries are near and dear to his heart. And I knew that that's why I picked that as one of my choices, because I know Bruce's love of burgers and fries. Yeah, it deserved a win. Yeah, it was definitely great and original. So, you know, and it, it rolls right off the tongue. I mean, chalupas and gorditas don't exactly, you know, <laughs> I mean, and cake and ice cream doesn't sound right. So good. Well, I, I thought I had a chance with Huff and Puff, but <laughs> that was a good surprise. one, too. Yes. Surprise that that definitely uh, close to the heart. You got it. I actually think I popped pretty hard when I read Huff and Puff, and I was very shocked that it did not. There were quite a few good suggestions, actually. Yeah, I was going to mail. We're going to Disney World in September. I was going to go to one of his favorite places and send something up to him, but no, I didn't win. The hell with him. Was it the chocolate <laughs> chip cookie? Screw you, Bruce Cohen. <laughs> was it the cho- Jamie, was it the chocolate chip cookie? Is that what you were going to send him? Yeah, that's what he was going to get. Not, not now. Here's the heel turn. Bruce, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I cost you a, one of those giant, beautiful chocolate chip cookies. And it took Bruce Cohen turning his back on his longtime buddy, Jamie Ward, for the heel turn to finally happen. <laughs> I'll be damned. It happened on the other ship. You heard it here first. Now, you can thank Len Bias for that. <laughs> right, Mike? <There's> a- <laughs> That's when the heel turn started. Right after Mr. MVP's conquest. That's right. Shout out Ron Gardner. Sauce. Shout out Stephen Rafel, who has been a huge contributor here to the group lately. Yes. Steve's on a roll. Yeah. And when I was just reading, Steve's a musician. He plays music in the New Jersey area. and He just posts about having a gig in Atlantic City. So I'm sure he'll be posting more about that in the other ships. So go see him play music. He's a great guy. I'm sure he seems like he's got very eclectic taste in music. It seems like he's a big Zappa fan. Yes. Check out Steve's daughter's band, Luna Worldcats. Yeah. He's posted a couple of videos. One with him playing guitar and his daughter singing just a couple of weeks ago in New Jersey there. She's got a beautiful voice and actually they're in my area. They're from about 35 minutes away from where I live and funny enough, the day of CWF Fan Fest, they were playing a gig here in my hometown. What? Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. Kind of funny, but yeah. Support the people that support us. That's what we say. Yes. Yeah. Support the great contributors. You know, they support us. You support us. We all support each other. That's how everybody wins. Shout out to Tim Graff, who apparently has some kind of a food challenge idea. He was sending a sticker. So I'll be interested to hear about that in the coming days. But it's definitely an interesting idea, which we expect nothing less from Tim. Drew and I are waiting on Tim to come to Indiana for the other ship food tour. So he wants to get in and hang with the lunch bunch. Let's bring it on. you want to have one of those strombolis? That's right. <laughs> and a tenderloin. And we're going to go to the Amish area, to one of the restaurants with a buffet. Oh, now, you're, now you got me. Amish. Get to the Amish bakeries and the little produce stand where they have the amazing fried hand pies and all kinds of homemade preserves and everything. Amazing stuff. The Cheese Factory. Until next week, as we wrap up the Crockett Cup tournament. Thank you to Jamie. Thank you to everybody that listens and everybody in the group. We'll see you next week. Next week it is. Final countdown. Adios, muchachos. And thanks for having me on again, guys. Always. Black